0: No purchase necessary, void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome to the uncooperative radio show with Brian Bonner. The finest uncooperative conservative radio on the net. Kicking down the wall. Blowing away the smoke screens. You cockroaches. And you know who you are. You can run, but you can't hide. Brian Bonner stands for truth, justice, and the American way. Enemies of America, foreign and domestic, consider yourself unnoticed. Uncooperative radio is coming for you.
3: Okay, and welcome to the Uncooperative Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner from UncooperativeBlogger.com. You're listening on UncooperativeRadio.com. And I'm here with my lovely wife and producer, Susan. Hello, Susan.
4: Hello, American Patriots. All right,
3: what are we talking about this evening, besides the fact that you started the show at the end of the show? We apologize for that constantly happening. I'm thinking of getting rid of the end of the show sound file completely.
4: I need the copy up. Won't you got your own? Well, then I can't talk into the microphone.
3: Well, no one wants that.
4: Okay, so it's Thursday and we start the show with the Pledge of Allegiance. You're going to tear apart judicial review. We started that essay last show, but you only got like one paragraph in. <laughs> so we're going to revisit it. And to go or not to go to the no-go zones? That is the question that Brian will answer. Brian will then review jury nullification once again, followed by the Second Amendment report. And planning on retiring? Yeah, not so fast.
3: Yeah, don't expect me to get to all this. <laughs> I mean, I technically don't. I'm not limited in time, other than the fact that uh, I have to actually get this show post-production, going syndicated all over the place, which takes like three or four hours after the show. So three, three is pretty much my limit for the show. but let's see how much we can get through. First of all, I know you've all bought a flag by now, and if you have a problem pledging allegiance to the flag, that is not pledging allegiance to our government. That government up there is not the republic for which that flag stands. Listen closely to the words. All right, hands of a heart, face the flag, and again, if you don't have one, get one. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, And to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, thinking about this, right now, us pledging allegiance to this flag is actually subversive to this government. That's not the republic. I keep trying to point that out. That's uh, maybe a representative democracy at best. But nothing to do with the Constitution or the rule of law.
4: And we're not going to talk about Obama's State of the Union. There's just nothing to say. I'm not even listening to him. I don't care. Just say no.
3: Uh, State of the Union. AFU. There you go. Nope, nothing else to say. He just talked about a lot of nonsense anyway because he's a doofus. He only does he does what other people tell him to do. It's not really him. So it's not fair for me to make fun of him, I know, but I'm sorry. He's the front man. He gets the damage. That's the job. All right, this is uh, what we started. The North Carolina's so-called precedent for judicial review, which technically shouldn't be. All right, from Newsobserver.com. The first time the Supreme Court applied, the doc was in the landmark 1803 case of Marbury v. Madison. We could start there. The doctrine? I don't know what this doctrine's about. But they they didn't, the Supreme Court in Marbury v. Madison, they they, they did not apply the doctrine. In fact, they didn't even mention North Carolina. Uh, They just made the case of why they they may have copied the opinion, I don't know of why they should be the arbiter of all that is constitutional or unconstitutional. There's nothing in the Constitution, Article 3, Section 2, that gives them this jurisdiction. They took it in Marbury v. Madison. However, they weren't bold enough to try and use it for quite a long time. Uh, But now look where the courts have gone since then. Hmm. But who's supposed to decide, Brian? That's what they said, if not us, who? Oh my God, I got an idea. The people who created the Constitution, state legislatures. And after that comes citizen jurors. That's how we do it. That's how it's supposed to work. And we're going to make it work again. We can still do the jury nullification anytime we want because we are the ones with all the power. We created the local, state, and federal governments. Without us, they have no power. See? Well, they can steal it by force, but they haven't gone that far yet. You've been too nice enough to give it away, so why should they take it? All right. Um, So they'd say it's the first time it's applied. It's not actually when the notion for the federal courts was created and never used until much later. Then, why why didn't they use it? Oh, because while doing this case, which they had no jurisdiction of, of which the chief marshal... Chief Justice Marshall should have stepped down from and recused himself from hearing. uh, All of that, and they didn't decide that case anyway. In the decision, they said they didn't have jurisdiction. That should have been the end. Uh, They should not have had an opinion. They should have listened. And if I was told, they said it in their their opinion. Well, they say decisions, their opinion. Uh, Jefferson was president. Jefferson knew the Constitution and knew... The Supreme Court had no authority to hear that case and then pretty much laughed at the overall decision later as if they had the right to decide what is constitutional or not they wouldn't dare try it he would have impeached a lot of them and they knew it and then on Madison, under Madison they didn't try it either not under Quincy I don't think either, Adams Quincy I don't think so uh Took them a while before they got a president there they knew to back them up, I guess, right? <clears throat> All right, so when the High Court held that it is the ultimate arbiter of whether a statute enacted by Congress violates the Constitution. And again, no branch of the government can give power to itself. And that's exactly what the Supreme Court did in Marbury v. Madison. Because we didn't give them that power. Again, Article 3, Section 2. That's the only power we gave them. What few appreciate is that before Marbury case, lawyers and judges in North Carolina played a key role in establishing the principle of judicial review. In the case Bayard v. Singleton, decided 225 years ago in May 1787, like the controversy over Obamacare, the Bayard case was not just a legal dispute, but a hard-fought political battle driven by passionate partisans on both sides. The law has no partisanship. Just so you know, if you haven't
4: already figured it out, ladies and gentlemen, this writer is a
3: huge prog. Yeah. Hard for battle driven by passionate partisans. Uh, yeah, I guess that's one way of looking at it. It wasn't passionate that much, really. No. I, I, I actually saw a movie made about it. Now, we did this at the Patriots Pub, PatriotsPub.us, where we covered this in depth, and there was actually a movie. and I We all watched the movie and, and opined on the movie. Uh, but to hear that, you're going to have to go to the PatriotsPub.us and listen from episode one, please. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. The case grew out of the rebel victory over the British during the Revolution and the victor's hatred of the Loyalists, Native-born allies of the British who remained loyal to the crown during the war. Among them was Samuel Cornell, one of the richest and most powerful men in North Carolina. He fled after the rebels seized control of the colony and never became a citizen of the new United States. Late in 1777, Cornell returned to North Carolina in a British ship under a flag of truce, hoping to receive permission to come ashore at New Bern to settle his affairs. Permission was denied, and instead, the General Assembly urged the governor to disregard the flag of truce, take Cornell prisoner, and confiscate the ship and all his property. Recognizing his precarious position, Cornell never left the ship. Instead, his daughter, Elizabeth Cornell Bayard, came on board. Cornell deeded a new burn house and lot to her, and then he left North Carolina never to return. Okay. So he gave him his prop- signed over the property to her and left.
4: Okay, now this brings up two good points historically, first of all, and that's why I'm glad that we, we, we are doing this. This is showing what everybody out there, history-wise, is telling you is wrong. Women could own property. It depended on the state and depended on the people of the state. But this is showing right there that that woman could own property in that state. Not
3: only own property can bring a case in, uh, all the way up to the state supreme court. Exactly.
4: The other thing is that because she owned property, she could
3: vote. But and yet we haven't got that far in the article. But <laughs> it's just I'm I, hoping they discuss it in the article.
4: Well, I don't think they do. But I because they're they're. It's more about the judicial review than it is about That's what this history. whole thing
3: is really about. Uh, and that's that's what you need to focus on. This is very, very wrong. And it was the beginning the of wrong. adding wrong to wrong. Uh, okay. It, look, states can do what they want within their own state. Well, that's what
4: I'm saying. I was going to ask you And this was a too. state
3: problem. And the people of the state ha- would have had to deal with it. Uh, I, don't, I have no idea. That's the one thing I could never find out. Why didn't the people just say no? Just tell the legislature no, they can't do that.
4: Well, and you know, in Virginia, something like this happened, and they did. The Virginia legislature said no, and, t- and really threatened to impeach them.
3: Well, yeah, there's there's also the, uh, the 11th, what, 12th amendment, 12th amendment, I think it was. That was over a dispute too that the Supreme Court did have jurisdiction under, uh, originally. There was a man of one of a different state versus a state, and they were allowed to sue in Supreme Court. And then after that, after they did that, the uh, states got together and, and just amended the Constitution. No more. They said no more. And it's took 11. The power away.
4: I think this is what you're talking 11 about. 11 is the presidential. No, the judicial power of the United States shall not be construed to extend to any suit in law or equity commenced or prosecuted against one of the United States by citizens okay, of uh, another so state.
3: Okay, so that's the 12th then. Okay. I don't know why I said the would come first. Oh.
4: The 12th is about electors.
3: Right. Okay. The 11th is about judicial. I said it was 11th to 12th. It's the 11th. Okay. Um, I don't go around memorizing the Constitution. No, that's why we me, have but, it with us. I'm just going to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> right, I, I'm not into, and by the way, if you can quote the Constitution word for word, you still won't impress me. So I wouldn't waste my time.
4: Well, that's why we have our pocket constitutions.
3: Yeah. It's, it's like when I, I try to explain Bible study, you must not take verses out of context. The same applies here. Everything must be put in context to have meaning. All right. Um and so memorizing it doesn't help you. Understanding it helps you. But if you just read it, you'll never understand it. Not completely ever. No, don't I'm not uh, not the federalist papers. You ain't gonna learn anything from that either. Try Madison's notes on the Philadelphia convention of 1787. Uh yelled, uh, has it in the Avalon Project along with uh, all kinds of historical documents, the place is a treasure trove. You could jump, jump in there swimming and not get out of there for years. Uh, so check it out, AvalonProject at Yale.edu. Five years later, with the war over and the rebels asc- ascended, the General Assembly enacted a law that confiscated for auction the property of prominent loyalists, specifically including Cornell's. A merchant named Spire Singleton purchased Cornell's new barn house and received a confiscation deed. Mrs. Bayard filed a suit to eject Singleton from the house, and the General Assembly responded by passing a statute intended to protect purchasers such as Singleton from expensive and vexatious lawsuits filed by obnoxious and disqualified persons. The new law mandated that such lawsuits be dismissed upon a simple showing. The purchaser had received a confiscation deed from the state.
4: Okay, another background on this because I had to do research for the Women of the Revolution. We didn't uh, take this on because I wanted you to take it on. You and Tim Curlin did. A, are much better scholars than we are. <laughs> the woman I do with, but they didn't made a retro retroactive law. They did this law in 1777, and they put it back to 1775. Any any property that was confiscated from 1775 to now was underneath this law.
3: Okay, you too fast, too much, and do we really need a legal disqualification every time you speak?
4: I just thought it was interesting. This whole case, it brought up so much unconstitutional things. It's
3: not. There is no constitution. You're doing it again.
4: I know, but I, I'm going by the constitution.
3: <laughs> well, there was the Articles of Confederation. But it didn't go against the Articles of Confederation. because, Well, because they... That's a whole... That's a whole other story. It kind of a waste, because the whole Articles of Confederation didn't work. And that's why they sent the delegates to fix it all right um if you're going to read want to read any of the thing to do with the federalist papers read the anti-federalist papers of any the federalist papers mostly written by uh hamilton and and he lies throughout the whole thing it's just not you're not going to learn anything about the constitution you're going to learn what uh hamilton wants you to think of the constitution Madison's nose takes you through the debates day by day. You can't learn the Constitution in any better way. And it should be required for every every justice in the Supreme Court to go through. Here's an idea. Maybe you guys should all download copies of the Patriots Pub, burn them to DVDs, and send it to the Supreme Court. (laughs) I'll use them as coasters, maybe. So anyway, she filed a lawsuit to eject Singleton from the House. And the General Assembly responded by passing a statute intended to protect purchasers such as Singleton. Right. And then you talked over it, though. And now I have to re-go through it. Because they forgot already. From uh, a Singleton, from expensive, vexatious lawsuits, blah, 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 blah. The new law mandated that such lawsuits be dismissed upon simple showing that the purchaser had received a confiscation deed from the state. Now, saying that it went retrograde, I would have to read the law. I have no idea if the law went back in time. Uh, but it didn't matter, if if you're saying it didn't matter when the confiscation deed was dated, yes, because the Lou law f- goes into effect immediately. And if it went into effect before you brought your lawsuit, then that's the end of it. That's how that, that is not a, the same as having a law go back in time. We're talking about post Revolutionary War here, and this is a loyalist house that's already been purchased by another a citizen of the Articles of Confederate of the Confederation, I guess. Uh, so anyway, let's see. In stepped William Richardson Davy, a brilliant young lawyer who had made a name for himself as a daring cavalry officer during the war, he would prove to be as fearless in the courtroom. And in the legislature, as he had been in battle, and would one day be found the University of North Carolina and become governor, um, never reluctant to take on an unpopular case, he had repeatedly defended loyalists, tried for treason. Davy was now part of a stellar legal team representing Mrs. Bayard. Now, let me start stop there to the little caveat they had to put in there. It repeatedly defended loyalists tried for treason. Well, you can't be treasonous before the Confederation, Confederation existed. Everybody were British subjects. You can't be a traitor if you were being loyal to the British crown because you are all subjects of the British crown.
4: Yeah, I know, but the states were doing it all over the place. I did two women that were tried for treason.
3: I, I know, but I'm tell I'm stating the obvious fact that this is this is, I guess, probably what his legal strategy was. Because again, they weren't treasonous; we were. We were the traitors to the British Crown, not them. They can't be not traitors. They can't be traitors to someone whose traitor is. That's just Well, backwards. then what, we, what would you do? And that's with... what I would have said. You can't be a traitors, you... traitor.
4: What would you do with a spy then?
3: What do you mean? A spy is a spy. When you're captured as a spy, that's all That's all articles of war. That's taken care of. You're dead. Let's put it that way.
4: Yeah, I can't believe, you know, George Washington had to petition Congress for those rules. He didn't have any rules for desertion. He had no rules. He could to have made them up spy. for himself. He should
3: have made them up himself.
4: <laughs> he, he was constantly going back to Congress.
3: He was always afraid to just do stuff. <laughs> just make them for you. It's not like he was president. He was general. He was the five star, he was the commander in chief. He was it for the revolution. He, he should have made up whatever laws he wanted. Create your own UCMJ, go. <laughs> because there wasn't one and there wasn't power no, for there the wasn't. national government. <laughs> that wasn't. colonial government was a mess. And uh, don't forget the, the colonial, the famous fiat currency of the days of the colonial revolution. The colonial which became completely useless. Like every fiat currency in history ever has, including all the European failed histories that you don't know about, believe it or not. But if you listen to our, yeah, another show, we're probably doing it next show. Economics. We'll do it then. Um, yes, yeah, all through history, all these fiat currencies failed, including reserves, especially reserved currencies have a 40 year run. It seems or something like that, before they go out, uh, but I, I I sent that to you I think. But this so yeah, so well they brought the loyalists tried for treason, it just it just pushed an instant button because the loyalists were not the traitors. Davy was now part of a Stella legal team representing Mrs. Bayard, representing Singleton, where Abner Nash, a former governor, and Alfred Moore, the attorney general. Moore and Nash filled a motion to dismiss Mrs. Bayard's lawsuit. Davy responded by attacking the statute as unconstitutional. Since the state constitution of seventeen seventy six guaranteed a trial a jury trial in all cases respecting property, he argued, the act was unconstitutional void because it deprived Mrs. Bayard of her right to a jury trial. The argument that a statute may be unconstitutional and that a judge can strike it down is a well settled legal principle today. No <laughs> yes, it's a it that's all it is. It is a well settled. Settled legal principle. It is not based on the Constitution. Therefore, it's void and it doesn't exist. Ha ha. I trump your play. Accepted theory. By whom? But in 1786, it was a novel and politically explosive theory. I would hope so. Nearly all political powers vested in the General Assembly, and it was unheard of to attack the power of the legislature to enact laws for the good of the people. <laughs> which it should be. As a young lawyer, Davy was. see, they all learned law where?
4: In law school.
3: Which, right up until this point, was run by? Lawyers. Of? I don't know. Britain. We're oh, all British Britain. subjects. Oh, right. Keep okay. up. All right, so why why do we still stu- why do they still get uh, listed in the bar? Why the bar is British Attorney Registry, so it stands for. You see a problem here. This stopping lawyer was using English Commonwealth law against against us. Oh, how brilliant! He wasn't that brilliant. He was sleazy, is what he was, and he shouldn't have won. And the court should have never. Of course, they do. You wait. They'll probably say what the... I'll tell you what they decided. I told you before at Marbury v. Madison. If not, who? Us. That's where it came from. Now, Marshall wasn't brilliant. He copied and pasted the old-fashioned way. That's all he did. Oh, he's brilliant. Oh, really? Yeah. North Carolina, 1776. Uh, try Say that to a lawyer from, from uh, who's got his PhD in law. I watch him befuddled. Totally confused what I'm talking about. I remember that interview. Wow, that was bad. Um, they had a grand jury indict him for simply making a legal argument in open court. Uh, so Davy's enemies were out about playing hardball politics. To their credit, the judges hearing the case quashed the indictment, but Davy would soon put those same judges in his crosshairs. Extremely differential to the General Assembly... The judges did not want to decide whether the statute was void and hoped instead that the legislature would repeal it and relieve them of having to make a decision. Again, courts don't make decisions. They have opinions. You see how from the very beginning it was stacked against us? Davy, who was also a General Assembly member and his allies, would not let the judges off the hook. Because of their indecision in the Bayard case and other perceived offenses, Davy brought impeachment charges against them, seeking to have the legislature remove them from the bench. He lost that fight, but ultimately won the constitutional argument. In May 1787, while Davy was in Philadelphia as a delegate to the Constitutional Convention, the judges finally issued their decision opinion. They ruled that the statute was null and void because it violated the right to a tri- jury trial. On the narrowest legal issue, Mrs. Bayard was entitled to a jury trial on the question of who should be declared the owner of her house. More broadly, and thanks to Davy's hard-charging tactics, the principle of judicial review was now established in North Carolina.
4: Congratulations, you let the devil in.
3: There it was. There's, that's another Pandora's box that we opened up. First thing we should have done is ban the British Attorney Registry, and have new legal scholars teaching in law school over in our newly minted country, because English common law had no place. Yet, who are all the attorneys, and who is running the attorney schools, and and who's going to run the attorney schools in a college? Oh, yeah, right, lawyers from Britain. I, I, I think maybe Washington was the only one who didn't study law, uh, uh, well, of the more popular of the, uh, founding fathers. I don't believe Jefferson did either, but I can't remember. Uh, but a lot of them did. It, it was just the thing to do. They didn't become lawyers. They just went to law school so they understood the law because that's what you need to know to do business. You had to understand the law. Otherwise you get in trouble with the crown and they hang you. It's not good. Um, uh, But, from that perspective, they are all steeped in English common law, and now, when we start the new world, what rears its ugly head all over the colonies, which are now states? Well, not now, after this, this is a colony still, right? 1776? That's that's colonial government, colonial times, right? It is, trust me, we didn't go to war, we didn't have the Revolutionary War until 1776, so it would have still been the colonial government. Articles of Confederation come later. And they don't last long. I will point that out. The Articles of Confederation failed so quickly and so profoundly. It was amazing that anybody would ever open their mouth on the internet and say it was stolen from us. No, nobody wanted it anymore. They threw it out. Well, they they couldn't do their job, which was to deal with foreign issues. And to put down local insurrections, you might remember Shays' Rebellion. That was one of the reasons for the Philadelphia Convention of 1787, but only one of uh, quite a many. Um, why do I open my mouth? Now I open the whole door.
4: What, on well, your Twitter feed? We'll do this later.
3: <laughs> I, I'll get to the, the whole constitutional nonsense later. Let's just try and get through this as it it deals with 17, uh, 1786. Oh, this is 1787. I thought it said 1776.
4: That's when they confiscated her property. Oh, I see. All right, so this is
3: 1787, and it's May of 1787, so we are still in the Articles of Confederation, so these, are, this is a state Supreme Court. Art- right. They okay, were states in the Articles of Confederation. Yep. In May of 1787,
4: you, you were up to, Mrs. Bayard was entitled to a jury trial. Oh yeah, trial.
3: Mrs. Bayard was entitled to oh, a no, jury no, no, trial no, no. on the question of who should be declared the owner of her house. Oh, yeah. nah. From his client's... No, 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 no. No?
4: Yes, that's it. That's it. Perfect. That's Will you, you be quiet then? <laughs>
5: Sorry.
3: From his client's perspective, Davy's victory was won in name only. Six months later, Mrs. Bayard received her day in court, but lost. Singleton was declared the rightful owner of the house because Samuel Cornell was not a U.S. citizen at the time. He deeded the property to her. And his status as an alien meant the deed was void. Aliens. Even back then she was an alien. I mean, she's a citizen of another place, another country. That's an alien. The ramifications of Bayard v. Singleton were important. You can look, guys can look this up. This is a very important case. Yes, it is. It screwed screwed us. It laid the groundwork for uh, the brilliant Marshall plan, which wasn't his plan. It was Alexander Hamilton's plan to pack the courts with Federalists, uh, create and pack the Federal courts with Federalists. That was his plan. No, Adams wasn't that smart. I don't don't even think he was that conniving. (laughs) Yeah. but he was a he was a good he he was a good public servant. Anyway, so Bayard V. Singleton, look it up. In the summer of 1787, the news that judges in North Carolina had struck down a statute as unconstitutional was well known to Davy and other founding fathers in Philadelphia drafting the Constitution. They certainly would have taken into account that federal judges would be called upon to interpret and apply the Constitution and to protect constitutional rights from legislative encroachments and usurpations. No, that is incorrect. That is that is from Federalist seventy-eight. <laughs> Alexander <laughs> Hamilton wrote Federalist seventy-eight, and he lied. No, go through the constitutional debates. You don't have to hear what what they must have thought. You will find out what they actually thought.
4: Yes, and that's you. And up-picking. guess
3: what? They didn't give that power to the Supreme Court. Nope.
4: That is why they
3: discussed all these matters. Not even I don't even think they considered that. Someone might have brought it up, but pff, would have been laughed out. Why would you put one part of the national government in charge of keeping the other parts of the national government in charge, in check, to protect states' power and sovereignty? How does that work exactly? What do you think? There are a bunch of idiots up there.
4: Well, and um, to give, well, I, we need to go to. A... No, the
3: Supreme Court is, does not legally have the power to judicial review. And therefore, when the constitution is reasserted and reapplied, all these constitutional so-called decisions by the Supreme Court gone because they're only opinion that we'll leave him lying around as opinion, but they're not going to be law and no statute that is made pursuant to them can stand. Because, again, judges don't make law. Well, and it was funny and when I... This is case law, is what they're talking about. They'll call it precedent, precedent. Precedent. No, it's case law. Ask any attorney where he's looking up case law.
4: And when I was reading this, I was laughing because when I had done the last one we did on the Women of the Revolution, they were actually talking about this because... The founding fathers had to flee, like John Hancock and John Adams had to flee Boston because what what General Gage wanted to do is capture them, send them to England for trial. And they knew if they ever went back to England, the judges over there, because of how British common law is, were going to crucify them. Hence, they would never give this power to the judges here.
3: Well, you can tell that this is propaganda.
4: Well, I know that. That's why we're right reading the, it. <laughs>
3: I'm talking to the people. If you would ever stop talking. I, I got through one sentence. Anyway, that last part that they put on there, you know, they're telling a story about what happened, right? And But then all of a sudden it goes, they certainly would have taken into account. What? what? They, wait, wait. Now this is journalism. This is supposition. This isn't even history. This isn't even something you can debate. They certainly is not history. Facts are history. They certainly is this person's opinion, who obviously doesn't know squat about history, and is just trying to keep up the progressive notion that the federal national government does everything. That's, the, that's not the way it was meant to be, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, was, we were supposed to not allow the Supreme Court to ever dare decide what's constitutional or not. That was that's a state power, and after the state, it's the juror's power to juror, to nullify, which we're going to get to later. But that is nothing but pure propaganda opinion, and you can tell when they start the sentence with, "They certainly would have taken into account." Really? How do you know why these people know the people at the at the Constitutional Convention better than I do when they haven't even read Madison's notes on the Constitutional Convention of 1787? But I'm constantly being told by history people that uh, they they understand the Constitution, but when I try and reference them to the Madison's notes, they they can't. They can only talk the Federalist Papers. Federalist Papers didn't create the Constitution. They came afterwards. They were arguments again, mostly by Alexander Hamilton, in New York for ratification of the Constitution. I know, I blew your mind right there, I'm sorry. Anyway, we got to go to commercial breaks. Young Cooperative Radio Show, you stay tuned, cause we'll be right back.
6: The Terry O'Brien Show. The Terry O'Brien Show airs live in Vivid, Red, White, and Blue, Sundays, 4, 6 p.m. Central, on Blog Talk Radio. I think
5: that most liberals are well-intentioned
0: but misguided. They're like children who have the luxury of believing in the political equivalent of the tooth fairy. They need some tough love. They need a big old healthy dose of common sense and information. And when they get it, the smart ones will become conservative.
1: Strap in for the wild ride with America's original
6: conservative warrior princess.
1: The path to restoring
6: our republic was laid down by our founding fathers. The principles of freedom, liberty, personal responsibility, and limited government are conservative ideals we will never abandon. America is listening. Grassroots, common sense, conservative talk radio. It's on the Internet. Tune tune, tune in now. Red State Talk Radio, featuring some of the most popular Internet talk show hosts in America today. Are you listening? RedStateTalkRadio.com.
3: back to the F- cooperative radio show alright so we're going back to the there should have been no ramifications of Bayard v. Singleton except to remove those Supreme Court justices from the bench impeached them that's what should have happened as that other lawyer attempted to do but it obviously should be done by the legislature because they this, Look, this was discussed. There's a lot more going on here. This was the back and forth between the the Supreme Court justice and the governor uh was important. The governor said, "I'm the one who decides what's constitutional, not not you." That's the way our constitution reads. And the courts just decided, you know what? We're not happy with that. We want the courts to decide. Because, for some reason, we trust the courts here more than we trusted the courts in England for some reason, I know let's let's create the courts in England all over again. Oh, wait, the Supreme Court of the United States, we did um, what a mess The whole federal court system is completely outside its constitutional limits. I mean, it's not even close. yeah, it's debatable. You could debate anything but but it's not true. that's just the way it is all right, um. So uh, obviously they got away they got away with it you yeah. know Uh Bayard were important the ramifications of Bayard v. Singleton are important because in the summer of 1787 the ju- the news that the judge of North Carolina had struck down the statute as unconstitutional was well known So what they would have certainly so what we've covered that Indeed we didn't do this yet Sixteen years later, the U.S. Supreme Court in Marbury v. Madison would follow North Carolina's lead, striking down a federal statute as unconstitutional. Before that, they did not strike down any federal statute in Marbury v. Madison. See what I'm talking about? Even lawyers don't know what the hell they're talking about. No, no, no. They didn't strike down squat. They weren't hearing a case about a federal statute. This was about the midnight judges. You could do a quick search. We do start page searches, not Google, right? Not Bing, right? Not Yahoo, right? Start page. Because it keeps you in, it keeps you invisible to the search engines. Okay, so if, add that as your search engine. And when you do it, it'll search Google for you. And they'll only know that start page accessed that in Google, not you. It's a good thing. Get it while it's hot. Because I don't know how long stuff like this for free is going to be around. So anyway, they didn't strike down a statute. It was about the seven Justice of the Peace uh, certifications that weren't set out under the Federalists' walk out the door. Amazingly enough, they had they had like six to eight months in a lame duck session to do that because there was a whole, well, look up the 18, 1800 election. And there's 1800, a lot happened right here. A lot happened right here at 1800, important date. So, they didn't strike down a statute. They just decided that it, they had the right to strike down statutes, federal statutes, as unconstitutional. Because, if not them, who? Blah, blah, blah. But it had nothing to do with the case before that, which they weren't even entitled to hear, which they said in their opinion that they weren't had no jurisdiction before the court. Yet, the court heard it, and now the court's making up powers for itself, off a case that they themselves said they had no jurisdiction to hear, which in and of itself, as a legal point, ends Marbury v. Madison. You can't make decisions about something that has nothing to do, even if you want to do case law. That isn't even English precedent law. That's nonsense. You can't do that. If you aren't supposed to hear the case in your opinion, you say you know you aren't supposed to hear the case. Then why are you still talking? You don't get to talk about other stuff and suddenly make case law based off nothing, which is what Barbary v. Madison is—nothing. The people that were, the people did not win their case; it was dismissed. As but they heard it. it Never mind. Uh, the fact that we should just burn Marbury v. Madison to start with. Every lawyer in America now hates me. Too bad. I hate you too. I hate the whole legal system. I hate the whole so-called just injustice system. I should say so-called justice, but injustice system. So anyway, uh, before the case ever reached the high court, however, the arguments in favor of judicial review were well known, at at least one of its by at least one of its members. Alfred Moore, Davies' old courtroom foe, was a justice in the U.S. Supreme Court when Marbury was argued and decided. Davies' once novel argument not only carried the day in Bayard v. Singleton, but later became enshrined for the young American nation in Marbury v. Madison and remains just as vital today, 225 years later. Well, they should have killed that guy while he was in prison. Oh, see, all this, all the damage certain people do in history... Alexander Hamilton, this Davies character, and a whole bunch of people just itching to steal power in the new world because they like the way the old world works. They like the way Europe works. They they like royalty. They, they're landowners. They like stuff like that. So uh, they're always trying to put themselves because they think they're better than us. You, know? you wouldn't put a farmer in the Supreme Court. I would. <laughs> I would. But he can't read or write. That's because you didn't let him read or write. So I guess the first thing we have to do is teach people how to read and write. Because a farmer is going to be on the Supreme Court. You're going to have to argue with the farmer. You don't think that's a good idea? I think that's proper representation in the court. But really, under the Constitution, the uh, Article 3, Section 2 of the Federal Constitution, the Supreme Court's powers are nothing. And that's why they had to steal power. Because the they didn't create it in the convention they didn't want it to have this power they wanted it to do what they told them to do and nothing else and I'm sorry there are no implied powers Alexander Hamilton in the constitution and he knew that when he lied and Washington knew it when he accepted it and that's another point in history but you have to go to patriotspub.us and listen from episode 1 it's all free Alright, um...
4: Wait, before you move on, I have two things I need to say. Number one, notice how it went from a decision to ruling. And we are governed by our elected cockroaches. These are all important words that shouldn't even be in our vernacular.
3: Um, I I didn't hear ruler. I heard decision. That's what I was talking about. Did you not hear me? Decision. They didn't say rule. They didn't mention ruling in this at all. No,
4: but I'm saying we're just saying that now.
3: A decision is a ruling. The problem is they're only allowed to have opinions. It, it was, it's all quite clear. Their only job, literally, when you go, when you go through the Constitutional Convention day by day, you'll go get to it, and it explains exactly that. No, they don't have this power. I didn't. Would never have given them that power. That's, again, giving too much power to the national government. So, here they are, stealing it for themselves. And they've been doing it ever since. Look at where we are today. There's nothing up there but stolen power. All right, so, indeed, sixty years later. Oh, right, I'm done with the whole thing. Thank God. I'm tired of talking about Marbury v. Madison. I'm more, but more, I'm tired of hearing about it. So, if you ever engage with me on the internet, do me a favor. Never bring up Marbury v. Madison. It doesn't put me in a good mood to talk. All right. uh I don't know what this is. Yes, there are no go zones in Europe from World Net Daily. Well, actually, yes, there are no go zones in America. Story 11. That's the real story. I don't know about this Europe stuff. In the wake of the Fox News apology. I mean, I know about that. That's old news. It's not new. Uh, and the no-go zones in Europe, an international clamor was ensued with condemnation of Fox. Really? Because the Fox's apology for guest experts on air claims regarding Muslim no-go zones in Europe, they are there. why, Why is there international clamor? It's a fact. There are papers even recently reported on it. So what's going on here? Claims the Im- Muslim immigrants want to assimilate and a threat by the mayor of Paris to sue the network for defaming the great city. They don't want to assimilate. Who said that? That's just stupid. The mayor of Wait, Paris. You-, you don't have to apologize, but it's nonsense. They don't assim- they have no desire to assimilate. Absolutely the opposite. They are going to assimilate you. They're like the Borg. And they're here. There's only one problem. Europe is full of Muslim no-go zones, which have been documented, lamented, reported on, and openly discussed for years. In fact, the governments of France and other European nations have identified specific enclaves where Muslim immigrants, who have chosen not to assimilate, as areas in which law enforcement has lost some degree of control. The French government lists on its website 751 zones urbaines sensible, or sensitive urban zones. Yeah, you're right. That language is so not, so much better than ours, so much more clearer than ours. Urbaines sensible. Sensible urban? <laughs> That's what it says. Sensible urban zones. And it says sensitive urban zones. It's not it's sensible. It's not sensitive. It's sensible. All right. That the police does not does not control, notes Muslim East foreign policy expert Daniel Pipes, director of the Middle East Forum. In the wake of the new uh, the Fox News apology for a guest expert's on air claims regarding Muslim no go zones in Europe, uh, you're you're doing it again. I'm not repeating. She's repeating the copy. Uh, this is different here. The French zones, which has specific street demarcations, are first identified by the government in 1996. An estimate that is now 10 years old found 5 million people living in the zones, Pipes noted.
4: That's unbelievable.
3: Oh, no, it's believable. Nevertheless, Paris Mayor and Hidalgo declared Tuesday in a CNN interview the city will sue Fox News after the network's coverage insulted them. Donk, donk. You know what happens when? You, <laughs> have you ever seen these old European cities? They're, they're wonderful. They're beautiful. They're architectural. They're ancient. They're historical. They're wonderful. Where's the grass? Where are the trees, bushes, shrubs? How about a street where two normal cars can go down? No, it's car. It's only designed for carts, horse carts it's the they didn't they didn't destroy the city and rebuild it so everything stemmed around the original building way back in history and that those that city's like that to this day and then everything built upon that so it's it's kind of cool but man you got to get used to the idea of not seeing another green thing ever for the rest of your life if you're going to stay there all right um and also you're going to get a little meat, meat car or a scooter. Nevertheless, Paris Marietta Lago go declared Tuesday, they were insulted. When we're insulted, <laughs> when we've had an image, then I think we'll have to sue. I think we'll have to go to court in order to have these words removed. Removed from what? Hildago. That's a very uh, Hildago, didn't wasn't that the name of the sidekick for the guy that tipped at windmills? Don Quixote? <laughs> or was it Or it was written by Hidalgo or something? I don't know. All right. Uh, I know it was a movie. The image of Paris has been prejudiced, and the honor of Paris has been prejudiced. Okay, I say we pick our best sword fighters and have at it at dawn. If you're going to act like you're in 1500s, let's go. On Saturday, Fox Report host Julie Benderez told viewers that in the previous week, we have made some regrettable errors in, on air regarding the Muslim population in Europe, particularly with regard to England and France. Now, these, uh, this applies especially to discussions of so-called no-go zone areas, where non-Muslims allegedly aren't allowed in and police supposedly won't go. To be clear, there is no formal designation of these zones in either country and no credible information to support the assertion that there are specific areas in these countries that exclude individuals based solely on their religion, Banderas said. Wow, Julie, it really even if they handed me that copy, I'd refuse to say it. Are you that just uneducated that you don't know that you, watching the piece, the people that were saying what they were saying to what they were talking about, and it's actually factually correct. You don't apologize for saying things that just abide by the facts. I don't apologize for the facts. I didn't create the facts. That's what an intelligent human being would say. Or oh, So whoever there are people above her makes this stuff up for her to read. There are certainly areas of high crime in Europe, as there are in the United States and other countries, where police and visitors enter with caution We deeply regret the errors and apologize to any and all who have taken offense, including the people of Padunkadunk in England. I don't give a crap about the people of France or England. Anybody else out there? And people in France and England, you shouldn't care that I don't care. (laughs) You've got your own country, your own problems. We've got our own country and our own problems, if you haven't paid attention lately. The New York Times, the ancient old lady... Declared in a headline, Fox News apologized for false claims of Muslim only areas in England and France. While the Atlanta Journal Constitution blared, Fox News admits no go zones are fantasy. Not so fast, says Robert Spencer, longtime monitor of the conflict between Islam and the Western civilization, as editor of Jihad Watch. And a friend to the show, jihadwatch.org. He wrote in a front-page magazine column that the only problem with all the cork-popping around Fox's apology was that there is a problem with Muslim areas in Europe. And Fox apology didn't go so far as to say there wasn't. (laughs) But they didn't say that that was a ridiculous apology. It wasn't good enough. Spencer acknowledged inaccurate statements were made by Stephen Emerson, director of the investigative project on terrorism. In a Fox News interview, January 11th, Emerson said, there are actual cities like Birmingham that are totally Muslim, where no Muslims just simply won't go in. You should have said Dearborn. Dearborn, Michiganistan. Yeah, go to Dearbornistan. Your head, see, I wear a crucifix around your neck. Wear a big one. I know, make it a red thing you drape over you with a big cross on the front of it. You know, like the Crusaders. All right, we got a commercial break. This is the uncooperative radio show. You stay tuned, cause we'll be right back.
2: Bye.
1: Stuart shepherd this is stoplight if you change a light bulb you get a new light if you change a tire you get a new tire if you change a baby you keep the baby you get a new diaper right that's right but now you can apparently run for president without knowing how to make change you understand that in this election the greatest risk we can take is to try the same old politics with the same old players and expect a different result the change we need doesn't come from washington change comes to washington leon panetta obama's pick for cia was chief of staff under bill clinton the same old politics rahm Emanuel, obama's chief of staff was a senior advisor under bill clinton with the same old players robert reich one of obama's economy gurus was secretary of labor under bill clinton the same old politics eric holder obama's pick for attorney general was Deputy Attorney General under Bill Clinton. Carol Browner, Obama's global warming guru, ran the EPA under Bill Clinton. Susan Rice, Obama's pick for the UN, was an Assistant Secretary of State under Bill Clinton. The same old politics with the same old players. Ironically, one person who did not have any truly official position in the Clinton administration is Obama's pick for Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton. I can't wait to see what hope means. You you keep the baby and you get a new diaper. I sound like Mr. Radio Guy. Does that sound bad to you?
5: Yeah. Dr. King was a real man. You know he was a Republican. Dr. King, a Republican? Democrats passed those black codes and Jim Crow laws. Democrats started the Ku Klux Klan. White hoods and sheets? Democrats fought all civil rights legislation from the 1860s to the 1960s. Democrats released those vicious dogs and fire hoses on blacks. Seriously? And the Dixiecrats remained Democrats and vowed to vote for a yellow dog before a Republican. Republicans freed us from slavery and put our right to vote in the Constitution. What? Republicans started the NAACP, Affirmative Action, and the HBCU. Sounds like Democrats have bamboozled blacks. Democrats blocked the minimum wage passed by Republicans, and over two hundred billion dollars have been spent on education, health care, and job training since President Bush took office. So Democrats want to keep us poor while voting only Democrats. Democrats want us to accept same-sex marriages, teen abortions without a parent's consent, and suing the Boy Scouts for saying God in their pledge. See, we need to think and vote on our own values. Exactly. Democrats have talked the talk, but the Republicans have walked the walk. Girl, it's time for us to do, do the, the walk. walk.
2: <laughs> You know it, girl. We built this city.
1: You didn't build that. We built this city on rock and roll built this city. You didn't build that. We built this city on rock and roll. That's the reason I'm running for president because I still believe in that idea. You didn't build that. You didn't build that. Whoops. Uh, there's no calls for alarm. We have everything under control. Uh, uh, because we know that something from nothing leaves something. Because you got to have something to run an economy. Something from nothing leaves
4: something. Do you know a soldier in need of an angel? Would you like to be an angel to a soldier in need? Then you should visit www.soldiersangels.org. Since 2003, Soldiers Angels has supported thousands of American service members stationed wherever we raise our country's flag, and the number is growing daily. They also work with our wounded soldiers, giving them backpacks filled with needed items, personal visits, phone calls, etc. Additionally... They send our thanks via letters and email to the military of Great Britain, Poland, and Australia, who serve by our soldier's side in Iraq. Soldiers' Angels are dedicated to ensuring that our military know they are loved and supported during and after their deployment into harm's way. So sign up to be an angel today, or send an angel to a soldier in need. Visit www.soldiersangels.org. This has been a public service announcement from the Uncooperative Radio Show.
3: Welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. It's uh, back to this uh, thing with Robert Spencer here. Um, it said that is false, and Emerson has acknowledged that and apologized, Spencer wrote. Did we cover that? No, we didn't do this. Stop it. If Spencer acknowledged an accurate statement, were was made by Stephen Emerson. In the Fox News interview January 11th, Emerson said there are actual cities like Birmingham that are totally Muslim where non-Muslims just simply don't go. Yes, I, that one we did cover. But remember, Dearborn understand, right? Look up. Dearborn, Michigan. See, uh, they've taken over. You can hear that call to prayer. It's wonderful. The most beautiful thing our Caesar has ever heard. But, uh, as uh, Spencer pointed out, that's wrong. But Emerson was not guilty of fabrication. Spencer quickly asserted only of overstatement. Pipes, who was one of the first to use the term no-go zone, in reference to Muslims in Europe, noted in 2006 that France's sensitive urban zones ranged from two zones in the medieval town of Carcassonne to 12 in the heavily Muslim city of Marseille, with hardly a town in the country lacking one. Amazing, we had the crusades to get these things out of Europe, and now these dummies let them come back in. Wow, talking about no understanding of their own history. Europeans must be as dumb as bricks. Well, you get free education, what would you expect? Good education? Oh, no, we have great, eh. You're great. Nothing in France is great. Nothing. Nothing in England is great. Don't forget about Spain, Greece, Italy, blah, 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 blue. The whole European zone nonsense. They're being taken over, even Germany. Germany, though, put a hard line into that. You might have remembered two years ago, uh, Merkel came out and said that was a complete failure. We have to learn to assimilate our immigrants, and we have to control the flow of immigration. And uh, so they've been straightening up their problem ever since, while everybody else just keeps letting more of them come in. It's amazing watching the self-destruction of such an old bunch of countries. Pipes was continuously updating his original 2006 post, citing references by politicians, civil leaders, and journalists to no-go zones in Britain, Germany, and Sweden, as well as France. Since 2007, Pipes has visited largely Muslim areas of Paris, Copenhagen, Malmö. Where? That has to be a Muslim place. (laughs) That's a Muslim name, right? What the heck is Malmö? Stockholm, Berlin, and Athens to find out for himself what is happening. He explained that for a visiting American, these areas are very mild, even dull. We who know the Bronx and Detroit expect urban hell in Europe too, but their things look fine. (laughs) Their things look fine. The immigrant areas are hardly beautiful, but buildings are intact, greenery abounds, and order prevails, Pipe said. These are not full-fledged, no-go zones, he explained, but as the French nomenclature actually indicates, sensitive urban zones, in normal times, they are unthreatening, routine places, but they do unpredictably erupt with car burnings, attacks on representatives of the state, including police, and riots.
4: <laughs> They're doing it all the time.
3: Completely under control, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs>
4: They're fine till they're not.
3: They're just great till, <laughs> yeah, till they ignite and erupt. It's like,
4: oh my lord! You know it's like having a disease. We don't, we don't you know? like living
3: next to volcanoes for the same reason. <laughs> yeah. We certainly don't live on top of them. Um, and
4: it's just like you know you're you're healthy until you're not.
3: <laughs> that's exactly correct. In Europe too, Britain's chief inspector of constabulary. <laughs> Tom Windsor told the Times of London in an interview that the parts of the UK are becoming no-go areas for police because minority communities are operating their own justice systems.
4: Sharia law.
3: Yep. Oh, they've got Sharia law into the European laws already. And they're trying to do it here. And that's the goal. uh, Why does it, it, when somebody proclaims the goal for all to hear, everybody ignores it. Obama has told us they're going to transform America fund, fundamentally. Transform America. Did we listen? No. The imam that screamed to all the immigrants when you go immigrate to the western countries, stay amongst yourself, build communities, live under Sharia law and finally infiltrate their law with Sharia. That's what they're doing. Here as well as everywhere else. Our Muslims aren't special. They're Muslims. And when the time comes, and it's already starting. Oh, come on. Cab drivers won't take uh, blind people with C&I dogs. If you bring a bottle of liquor back in your luggage, you can't take the cab because the Muslim can't have alcohol. And dogs are filthy. They're just filthy creatures. See, you got... Muslim is a faith, not a racial anything. It's not racial. It's a ra- Jew is a race and a religion. Jewish race and religion, but not so with Islam. There were no born. There were no Muslim race. They're built up of all kinds of captured people. Uh, and that's what the Muslims are, but if we if you don't start saying no soon if we <laughs> we got to get these states back under control cuz we got to stop this immigration nonsense before it's too late we got the notion they're allowed to build mosques here no cuz mosques are not just temples of worship as islam is not just a religion it is considered their embassy and place to plan attacks and a place to store munitions and a place to pray all in one it's great. It's one-stop shopping for all terrorists. Well, I guess you have to be Muslim, but if you're willing to blow yourself up, uh, you could just you could just declare yourself Muslim right then and there, and they'll strap you up and send you on your way. Oh, go! He's saying blah, blah blah blah. I'm saying what I'm saying, and I, I defy you to prove otherwise. There are some communities born under other skies who will not involve the police at all. I am reluctant to name the communities in question. Why? Why so reluctant in naming the communities? What is the problem here? Well, you, well, you have nothing to hide, but you won't name anything. Oh, we're not going to name the, what we're talking about here and tell you where it is or anything. <clears throat> um, but there are communities from other cultures who would prefer to police themselves, said Windsor, who is responsible for the inspection of police forces in England and Wales. Cool, can I do that here? I'm going to declare this a no-go no-zo zone up here, and I'm going to be my own constabulary. There are cities in the Midlands where the police never go because they are never called. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, and don't none, none walk in the streets like the rest of the places either, huh? Oh, you just show up when called. You stay out of the community to call. That's that's the way you police? you funny over there in Europe. I think we learned everything from you on policing, so you and I both know that's not how it's supposed to work. You just, if you're not called, why have police there at all? Okay, then have all the police just hang out in the police station for all the all the other areas as well, and only go when they're called. <laughs> yeah, what a what a crock of nonsense! Right, what what would, uh, what our vice president say, Joe? Palooka, Biden. What a bunch of malarkey <laughs> that actually applies here. Um there are cities in the Midlands they never hear of any trouble because the community deals with that on their own. Not only have they never called, they have their own court, you see, their own jail, their own punishment. Many of the no go zones function as micro states governed by Islamic Sharia law, he wrote. Host country authorities effectively have lost control in these areas and in many instances are unable to provide even basic public aid, such as police, firefighting, and ambulance services.
4: You forgot to read Sowing Kern, senior fellow of the Gallstone in- Gatestone Gatestone, Institute, yeah. wrote in 2011. That's who this person is that you're
3: quoting. Sorry. Islamic extremists are stepping up the creation of no-go areas in European cities. That's what I didn't say. Right. I liked where I started better. Ha! I don't have to read the whole thing. No, you don't. Kern said the no-go areas are the byproduct of decades of multicultural policies that have encouraged Muslim immigrants to create parallel societies and remain segregated rather than becoming integrated into their European host nations. This is exactly what Angela Merkel talked about.
4: This is exactly what Obama did when he let all those pieces of brown crap come in here from South America, which we're not hearing anything about at all. There's like a million people here from South America that we, they just died.
3: Central America.
4: And Central America. Well,
3: what they just? Central America. Not South America. Central America.
4: So where'd they go? What are they doing?
3: How come we're not they're hearing about They're all over the it? country. They've infiltrated everywhere. They're all in the public schools. They're, they're, they're all getting taken care of. They're all signed up for welfare. Everything's going along swimmingly. Because
4: this is what he wants to do to America.
3: Uh, I know what he wants to do to America, and I'm the first one to have ever called him a Muslim because he has no choice but to be a Muslim. He was born a Muslim. First male child, all male children of the father, if he's a fuzzy muzzy, all his children are automatically fuzzy muzzies. They don't get a choice in it. They don't don't really give you choices. Uh, And then if you leave, you're an apostate and they kill you. So, see, you're a Muslim. And no one's tried to kill Obama yet. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure he's not an apostate, which means he's still a Muslim. And I think, by the way, you see him inter- interact with the uh, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood here in the United States. Oh, it just has him over for little tete a days all the time. That uh, Can't you put two and two together? There's like 75 and 75 when it comes to Obama. But could you just get two of them and put them together? Folks, the guy is, should not be President of the United States. He should have been impeached long ago for high crimes and misdemeanors. It, no, they don't have to be crimes, statute crimes, criminal crimes. That's not what high crimes means. High crimes is for high people, high, high offices. And their crimes are abuse of power. Any abuse of power, as simple as that, is a high crime. And away you go. Obama's gone way beyond that. He broke his oath to uphold, to faithfully uh, execute the laws of the land. That's his presidential oath. You call it faithfully executing a law when you say, I'm not going to enforce it? I think that's the opposite. My goodness. Oh, my God. The the chat room works. (laughs) (laughs) That's a first. Uh, So anyway, (laughs) uh, where am I here? The ambulances services, Kern said the no-go area is the byproduct of decades of this. Um, he pointed to a Muslim group in Britain called Muslims Against the Crusades. No, it was Crusades against the Muslims. I think he's got it backwards. It was, it was against the Muslims who were invading Europe. They were conquering people. They had already taken all of Christendom except for Europe, and they were made it as far as Cordova, Spain. So he pointed to the Muslim group, blah, blah against the Crusades, which launched a campaign to turn 12 British cities, including what it calls Lond- Londonistan. Hey, they've taken up what I do. Everything's got a yeah. stand on the end of it. Yeah. Londonistan, <laughs> Ohioistan, Michiganistan, stand. I keep going. Actually, the stands are growing in the United States. Yes, more.
4: they are. Unfortunately
3: uh so into autonomous enclaves ruled by islamic law and operate entirely outside british jurisprudence yes that's the goal and then they can then they'll come for you watch europe as europe falls they do they have done this to cities throughout history they play the victim card until they're powerful enough to move and then bam they strike it's their playbook they're going to do it there and they're going to do it here. They're going to try. And you know how Muslims like to die trying. Oh, come on. That was good. I don't care who you were there. That was funny. Cards. Uh, where am I? Um, the Islamic Emirates Project name uh, as targets for Sharia rule the British cities of Birmingham. The one he said... Pay no attention to it's not a it's not a Muslim, no go zone. Yeah. Bradford, Derby, Dewsbury, Leeds, Leicester, Liverpool, London, Manchester, Sheffield, as well as Waltham Forest in the northeast London and Tower Hamlets in East London. Say goodbye to NATO. <laughs> They're being taken over from the inside out. It's over. What are we gonna do? Bomb Europe? See? See what they're doing to us? In 2008, Michael Nazir Ali, the Pakistani born Anglican bishop of Rochester, Pipes noted, wrote in the London Daily Telegraph that one of the results in Britain of a worldwide surge in Islamic extremism has been to further alienate the young from the nation in which they were growing up, and also to turn already separate communities into no-go areas where adherence to this ideology has become a mark of acceptability. Wow. Really? Those of a different faith or race may find it difficult to live or work there because of hostility to them, he said. Oh, so, uh, wait a minute, discrimination is now okay in Europe. Oh, 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 oh. Wait, that's right. You can't be brown and be uh, a racist. Only white people can be racist. Okay. You keep believing that. Last October, the Swedish police published a report on 55 areas of heightened criminal activity in a report titled A National Survey of Criminal Networks with Great Influence in the Local Community. Pipes noted, no ethnicity is mentioned, but many happen to be regions with Muslim majorities. Well, I let, I let that sort of, but, you know, but it just so happens that, wow, I think that was the definition of malarkey. Gr- <laughs> Granny's Sharia no go zones were addressed in a 2013 front page magazine article by Andrew Harrod. Two of the three Charlie Hebdo murderers were born and raised in France, Spencer observed. Where did they get their ideas about killing blasphemers? Not from French schools. They learned them in the Muslim areas where they were born and raised, he said. What's more, France leads the West in the number of Muslims who have traveled from there to wage jihad for the Islamic State, with well over a thousand Muslims leaving France to join the caliphate. Well, that's a good thing. Just don't let them back in the door. It's moving in the right direction. Keep that happening. No, they won't, though. Spencer pointed out that in 2002, the New York Times' David Ignatius wrote of France that Arab gangs regularly vandalize synagogues here. The North African suburbs have become no-go zones at night, and the French continue to shrug their shoulders. Put on, put on. Well, 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 as long as we don't have to bathe. Well,
4: and look what they happened. They have a right the, not
3: to bathe in France.
4: Well look what happened with the, the the terrorist situation there. Really? Did they go into the no go zones to get these guys? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I know they
3: didn't. Um and
4: why didn't they run to the no called, zones go
3: They're called no go zones. And you're asking me why they didn't go there.
4: For terrorism,
3: even for terrorism. No go zone. I don't know what to tell you it's it's British, it's French, I don't know they do things differently over there, they think differently, they see things differently. they all grew up they they all they all stem from serfs, they were you know all peasants with no rights at all under in medieval times no no reading, no writing, even in the seventeen hundreds we broke away from England. The, the, the people over there, they, they, the common folk, as they call them, they weren't allowed to read or write. They weren't allowed to learn read, write, or arithmetic. They weren't educated at all over there. They're just supposed to tend the fields and the flocks and keep your mouth shut. Uh, so that's where they rose up. From, they grabbed rights as, as the world put kind of a pressure on them, by the way. And they started granting their su- subjects more and more rights. But this is where their rights come from, from the government. That's what they believe, so that's their reality. Uh, Ours do not. They come from our creator and not our governor, and never forget it. And they are unalienable, not inalienable. Please. All right, so Spence also noted that the day after the Charlie Hebdo massacre set off Fox's discussion of no-go zones in France, the New Republic wrote, The word banlieue. Suburb, I I don't care how it's spelled, how it's really pronounced, but donk, donk, now connotes a no-go zone of high-rise slums, drug-fueled crime, failing schools and poor, largely Muslim immigrants, and their angry offspring. Where did they get their understanding of Islam? Well, from someone that actually knew it, because the radical ones are following the the religions, well, it's not really a religion, but the religious part of the blueprint to run a theocratic empire. On his nationally syndicated radio show Tuesday, Rush Limbaugh commented, Ditto, on uh, the Paris mayor's threat to sue Fox News. He cited Hidalgo saying, In a great discussion of truth, everyone has to play its role, and we're going to have to be realistic... And put things where they are. We'll have to ban this talk about no-go zones. Limbaugh said, however, he had heard of no-go zones long before Fox News reported their existence. The report, he said, will make Fox even bigger. CNN, the Communist News Network, is ecstatic and happy that Fox... <laughs> dear I say gay? That Fox News... Is going to be sued for referring to the no-go zones in Paris. He said, "They're very happy about it." You know the old saw: "You believe in something, you watch somebody else lose it, and you do nothing to defend it. You've got no excuse from when they come for you." And that's the way all this stuff works out. Yes, it, everybody gets cheers when when the when their rivals are taken down by the totalitarian government, but they're never happy when they come them, which they always do. The issue already has been seized by a possible hopeful for the 2016 Republican presidential nomination. I can tell you right now, Jeb Bush is a no-go zone. Uh, Oh, they're going there. Don't let him win the primary. Uh, Trust me on this. I'm not going to vote for Jeb Bush. Not in a million years. And there's a whole lot of people like me out there will not vote for Jeb Bush. But please don't stay home. I never... You vote anyway. You just vote on everything else. The presidential election is the least important thing you'll ever vote for in your life, although you think it's important. We We shouldn't even have anything to say about it. We'd be better off. Who would do it then? Well, after we kick control of our state legislatures and governor, it would be them. But right now, they work for themselves, not us. We have to fix that. No, even in Texas, please stop it. I know we know how great Texas is, but still, you've got a lot of work to do. Especially if you're going to lead the way. So, there's of course, Communist News Network is having a party, you know. The issue already has been seized by a possible hopeful of the Republican presidential nomination. I bet it's Jeb Bush or would it be Romney? I don't know. Undeterred by the Fox News controversy. Oh my god, Keith, Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> oh god, Romney and Bush? <laughs> Again?
4: <laughs>
3: no, it's oh my. God.
4: You have to laugh because if you don't, you're going to cry.
3: I'll tell you what. Uh I don't ever get to vote in a primary because it's so all decided by the time Montana gets to vote. It's kind of annoying. So, so you know, when I I did, I, I think, get to vote last time, and I know you're all going to hate me, I voted for Ron Paul. In my opinion, he was the best candidate out of the field. Well, you think any of the other one of them are going to defend the Constitution? you are going to downsize government. They're going to bring our troops back home and defend the, the country first before worried about other allies and such, you know, because we have a Navy and we can build the Navy up as a matter of fact, and we could project power any place we want. Anyway, I know he would have destroyed the country. I don't know. Really? <laughs> Is This guy? Which way would you like the country destroyed? Dismantling the unconstitutional crap we have to pay for? Or the other one that steals our liberties left and white and makes us pay more for the unconstitutional crap up there? Well, that's what we got. Two terms. Ladies and gentlemen, my fellow citizens, that's a sad state of affairs. The whole world is shaking their head in disappointment at the United States of America. You think they think this is wonderful. We're moving closer towards their governments. They don't like their governments. They can't do anything about it. Their government—all their rights come from the government there. So you don't really have much to say about anything, that do you? Oh, this is us now. It's coming to us. Undeterred by the far Bur- the controversy. Oh no, not Jindal, really? Yep.
4: I knew this was going to make your head explode. How clogged. many
3: un- ineligible <laughs> candidates can you put up r- r- because on the right? Look, look I, just because the left did some doesn't mean you should do some. And by the way, don't feel this was an all new precedent set. Grover Cleveland was the first imposter president.
4: Oh, you, you remembered?
3: No, it wasn't Grover Cleveland. It was <laughs> C. It's two letters C. H. Grover.
4: I'll look. I'll look.
0: Ah,
3: I always say Grover Cleveland. It's not Grover Cleveland. Who is that guy? Every time I I read it, I go, darn it. I was almost there. It's a, the abbreviations. You know, oh, I don't have time. I'm doing a radio show. I uh, shall look it up. Anyway. Bobby Chester G- A. Arthur. Chester A. Arthur. That's him. Chester A. Arthur. He was the first imposter president. Check it out. I, I, look it up. I'm serious. He went to all kinds of pains to hide the fact one of his parents was an immigrant at the time of his birth. Uh, he was not a natural-born citizen. Always, His other parent was a citizen, but he still, that doesn't make you a natural-born citizen. He and everyone knew back then you had to have two parents that were citizens and be born here to be a natural-born citizen. So when you read the story of Chester A. Arthur's attempts to cover up and the lengths he went through, you'll understand that what I am telling you is not conspiracy theory nonsense. It is what the meaning of natural-born is. Two parents have to be citizens born in the United States of America or in, you know, military bases abroad. Yeah, there was an exception put into law. Um, I can't remember when at this point. I think it was the 1930s. All right. So anyway, back to the uh, no-go zones, which are are there. It, it, I don't know why, people, why Fox is apologizing. This is amazing to me. Oh, that's right. Rupert has holdings in England. Now it all makes sense. Sky News in Europe they're threatening to come after him if he did he they were going to sue him over there. It just its and shut him down so he didn't want to be shut down over there and lose all that money. so he made an apology. I'm convinced that's the way it went down. He's a businessman, not a politician. So anyway, Bobby Jindal, who was not born of two citizens of this country, who is not a natural born citizen, who has been governing Louisiana very well considering their past, uh, that that's a low bar they said. Um but he cannot run for pre- if he does I won't vote for him, then I am not alone. I am not just saying, I'm not being arrogant about it. Even if I chose to vote for him, there's a whole bunch of constitutionalists out there that will stand on principle and will not vote for him because he, he's ineligible.
4: We already know anybody who belongs to Oath Keepers is not going to vote for him, and that's a huge organization.
3: Of which I am one. Yes, I know. You oh, remember. and by the way, I heard somebody say something on the news like, "Oh, Oath? What do you think? I took an oath forever? Uh, yeah, actually, you do take an oath forever. I took my oath when I joined the military and i consider that oath still binding today once you take an oath it's forever it's not temporary okay um he said uh, undeterred by the the thing he said jindal brought up no-go zones at a speech monday in london to the henry jackson society he said in his prepared remark, why, do, why are governors going overseas to give speeches? This, this is amazing to me. This redistribution of wealth is international now. And he seems to be taking advantage of that. Well, who is he trying to reach over in London, by the way? Who paid for his trip? He said in his prepared remarks that in the West, non-assimilationist Muslims... Establish enclaves and carry out as much of Sharia law as they can without regard for the laws of the democratic countries, which provide them a new home. It is also, they're not all, they're not democracies over there. We got to stop throwing democracy around. Parliamentary is what they are. A a democracy is mob rules. Everybody votes on everything and the majority always wins. That's democracy. That's an actual form of government. Look it up. It's the worst form, according to the framers, but uh, people don't believe me. But look it up. So it is uh, startling to think that any country would allow, even unofficially. Oh, wait, I've jumped ahead again. I want to get away from
4: this. Okay, get away then. You know it
3: is starting doing. to think that any country would allow, even unofficially, for a so-called no-go zone. Mr. General said in his remarks, good for him, but why are you over there? The, oh, there are people that need to talk to over here. Can yep. you talk to, like, the Ferguson crowds? The idea that a free country would allow for specific areas of its country to operate in an autonomous way that is not free and is in direct opposition to its laws is hard to fathom. It's happening here, buddy. They spokesman for the council on american islamic relations that's a nice acronym care they don't care at all <laughs> they're they're a propagandist group co-conspirators uh, of funding islamic terrorism certainly apologizing for them at every turn and lying bold face lying about their religion they even lied what islam means islam means submission that's what it means they they oh it doesn't mean that. You're misinterpreting it. No one's misinterpreting it. That's what it means. And and the way you treat it, that's what it does. So I don't know what's so startling, but uh a spokesman for the council said uh in Washington DC, Corey Saylor issued a statement in response saying it is sad that competition for the twenty sixteen GOP presidential nomination is kicking off with Muslim bashing. I didn't hear any Muslim bashing. Do you think it's okay for your fuzzy fuzzies to set up little enclaves inside America and live under Sharia law? Oh, you do, because I seem to remember a whole thing, a whole campaign where you were trying to convince Americans that Sharia law is compatible with the Constitution of the United States of America. And people were lapping it up, especially the MSLSD crowd. You uh, MSLSD people, these people ever get in charge? That notion of any freedom you thought you had and any future you thought you were going to get, you ain't going to get squat. No, It'll be free religion in the Quran. Governor Jiddle's decision to repeat the already discredited. No-go zone, Ali. It is not. I have been <laughs> reading it for years in the news. Don't tell yeah, me. Yeah,
4: but look. What they're doing is if they keep saying it over and over and over and over
3: again, this it's going to be true. This is the discredit. It. There's no official street sign that says no-go zone. But they are no-go zones. They just don't label them no-go zones. See, if you label it just like everybody else on the left, and that's, well, France and, and them, uh, D.C., all of them, you uh, you just got to you just gotta change. Oh, well, no, it's not. We didn't call it a no-go zone. This is just a place where certain sensitive areas where the police don't have to go in unless they're called. And, you know, Christians need not go unless they wish to live under Sharia law while they're walking the streets. If you think you want to live under Sharia law just because it's a, a slum and they're slums, that's what I'll call them. Suburbs, slums. We're doing that over here now. Ferguson's a suburb, slum sorry i can't do it anymore they changed the label and therefore you're wrong there are no go zones and you have to apologize no there is no official label although i've been hearing that official term used by european newspapers regularly but still they they the government does not recognize them with the label no go zones they are sensitive areas See, change the name. And make it sound good. Uh, why is it that government always has to be a magic show? Just saying. Anyway, let me finish. Uh, said uh, to discredit No-Go's own allegation, is embarrassing to our nation and it is potential presidential campaign, said Saylor, whose Washington, D.C.-based organization was named by the Justice Department as an unindicted co-conspirator and a plot to fund the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas. Jindal defended his remarks later in an interview with CNN, observing that speaking the truth were going to make people upset. And you'll have to wait to the other side of the break. It's your radio show. You stay tuned, cause we'll be right back. <music>
2: socialists. You will be assimilated. Your individual liberties,
6: personal freedoms, and mental individuality will be added to our own. Resistance
2: is futile.
4: Uncooperative Radio Show merchandise is now available at cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio. At this wonderful site, you will find hats, T-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers, and much, much more. Merchandise slogans include, I am an uncooperative citizen, become an uncooperative citizen, I am an uncooperative citizen and damn proud of it, and the Constitution is the solution. So visit cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio today and become an uncooperative citizen. That's cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio.
6: 800-430-1891, 800-430-1891, 800-430-1891.
3: Welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. All right. Um, back back from the other side is Jindal defending his remarks on a CN Communist News Network interview. So, of course, speaking the truth, we're going to make people upset. Here's the biggest point. Radical Islamists hate our values. They threaten our way of life. They don't appreciate. They don't condone. They don't allow freedom of expression, self-determination, the governor said. Anybody that thinks you should be killed for drawing a cartoon is a terrorist. There's somebody that we need to hunt down, that we need to get rid of in our societies. Yes, I like Bobby Dittle. He's just ineligible. He brought up, again, the issue of non-assimilation, in which you have people who want to come to our country but not adopt our value in some cases. Not adopt our language in some cases. They want to set apart their own enclaves and continue to hold on to their own values. And by the way, if the values were so good, why did you come here? Well, I know why the Muzzies did. I'm talking about other people. I think that's dangerous. It's dangerous in America and in Europe, he said. Of course it is. It's stupid. It's self-destruction. A spokesman for the council on American Islamic relations in Washington, D.C., Karisella, issued a statement in response, saying, "It is sad that the competition. You did it again. This was from up there. What? You double copied.
4: I did. I'm sorry. Just move on. I think you made your point anyway. <laughs> it really made your point. You mind. can't
3: make the You can't make this point enough. They, it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around because, well, for one, they think Islam is just another religion, and it's not. It's not Buddhism, it's not Taoism, it's not Zen, it's not uh, Hindi, it's not uh, Hindu, it's not, etc. Christianity. it, It is its own thing. It's a blueprint to run a theocratic nation with its own set of laws and their own governing structure built into it because, again, the whole thing's designed to take over the world. You think I'm like you find a Muslim'll tell you the truth, and that's what his plan was that's what the the conqueror's plan was was to conquer the world and at that time the no world in America didn't exist uh so it was all of Christendom and such like that of which they almost succeeded um, Islam is not a religion, so we shouldn't treat it like a religion, and they don't have freedom of we're going to take over your country because they will not be happy till the flag of the prophet is flying over all the capitals of the world. And I am quoting somebody. I don't remember his name. Some crazy guy going, lo, 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 lo. yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> All right, uh, no, enough of that. Now we're going to go to something interesting jury nullification. Now, people bridle at this subject. You. No subject we should bridle at. We should be able to discuss any topic without just the label of it sending people into a frenzy. So let's talk about it. Okay, from Fox News. The first wave of a 9,000-member jury pool, the largest in U.S. history, appeared in Colorado courtroom Tuesday as the trial of James Holmes, who was accused of murdering Twelve and injuring seven. Did I move ahead somewhere? Mm-mm. This is the one. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read it yet. Uh, and injuring seven in the 2012 attack in an Aurora, Colorado movie theater, got underway more than two and a half years after the attack that stunned the nation. Wow! It got underway already. Wow.
4: Nine thousand people. I cannot believe it. But I do want to read some stuff from the a nine
3: thousand <laughs> member jury. Yeah. Pro. That's pretty impressive. That
4: is. That's uh, unbelievable. That,
3: that Who pays for that? I know. Yeah. yeah. I, tell I know. You, whoever, it, whoever the district attorney is, that state pays for it. That's who pays for it.
4: Okay. And I want to read something really quick from the Citizen's Rulebook. Which Colorado. Fortunately, we can't get any more because it has a whole section on I jury duty. I don't know duty. if we can or not. I haven't checked. I'd have to call. Um, they have a whole section on jury duty. I can see just right. I just want to see. No, now see, you can see just now right. Now I, I want to do a quote. It says, The jury has a right to judge both the law as well as the fact in controversy. John Jay, First Chief Justice, U.S. Supreme Court, 1789. Another quote is, The jury has the right to determine both the law and the facts. Samuel Chase, U.S. Supreme Court Justice, 1796. Um. And also it says the general misconception is that any statute passed by legislators bearing the appearance of law constitutes the law of the land. The U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and any statute to be valid must be in agreement. It is impossible for a law which violates the Constitution to be valid. Who is that by? It doesn't say.
3: Oh. <laughs> Just... Sound a little like Madison
4: but it, and this is what we're trying to tell everybody all these laws are unconstitutional they the obama obamacare oh, i'm to, just say no
3: if you want a <laughs> historical reference for uh state nullification you think that's not how it's supposed to work uh you can look up the kentucky draft resolution of 1798 it's uh it's the draft, resolu- the cunt, but it's the draft the kentucky draft not what could not the kentucky actual what the state ended up going with? Read the draft that was done by uh, what well, Jefferson? Sorry, uh, under a pseudonym because he was at the time he was vice president, and Madison also as a pseudonym did it for Virginia. Uh, but the real good one, the one to get is the, is the one by Jefferson. That's the one he sent them. The draft he sent them. Man, <laughs> you could pound too many more hammers into that coffin. I mean the nails. and we
4: sent you sent that to Jan Brewer when she was fighting over this stupid.
3: Yeah, they probably never even read it.
4: I mean, the but states they, have They will the tell worries.
3: you that the states are the ones that are supposed to protect its citizens from unconstitutional law. That's their job. It, that's important to note. Also, they they've discussed jury nullification. It's a, it's your duty as a citizen. Do not not convict any of your citizens for a law that is not made in pursu- pursuant directly to a power enumerated in the Constitution. There are no implied powers. There are no broad powers. The general welfare clause is the general welfare of the republic, which they are in violation of. I could go on if you want If you want to be stupid about broad concepts, well, it says. The states are guaranteed a Republican form of government, so guess all Democrats need not apply, huh? Well, if you're going to say the general welfare clause means that, I'm going to say that means that. Now what? See how stupid it is? Why, why have a constitution? Just going to have three or four clauses that cover everything. All right. Uh, Holmes, who wore a blue blazer... Striped shirt and khaki slacks had appeared better groomed than in appearance shortly after the attack. Said attentively as the first batch of prospective jurors went through the screening process. An historic number of juror summonses, some 9,000, were sent for the trial of James E. Holmes. James Egan Holmes. Usually they don't do the middle name. In court filings, Judge Carlos A. Samor Jr. has was indicted. It says has was indicted. He he set such a large number for the pool of potential jurors because it is a high-profile death penalty case. I'm against any death penalty in this country until we have a justice system that lets guilty people run free rather than convict one innocent man. We don't have that jury system, and I, and since we don't, and you can't trust them to do that, then you can't trust them to kill your fellow citizens. By comparison, 3,000s were recently summoned for selection in the trial of accused Boston Marathite bomber uh, Zokar Sonyev. I remember these. I remember these guys. The 1994 O.J. Simpson case Brought in one thousand. more addressed the first group of two hundred fifty jurors, who then were to spend two to three hours answering more than seventy written questions that have to be made, have to have not been made public. After Tuesday, groups of two hundred fifty will follow the same routine every morning and afternoon for a month. Based partly on the questionnaires, many will not be asked back for individual jury selection, which is scheduled to begin February seventeenth. Individual voir dire will continue until a whittled-down group of 120 to 150 is left. From then, the final jury of 12 and 12 alternates will be seated. Jury consultant Carolyn Robbins-Manley, Mandley, is not involved in the case, says lawyers will need to explore the amount of pretrial publicity to which people have been exposed. You don't have to live in a cave. You can obviously know about the incidents, she said. The question is specifically whether you can be fair. Can you start out not having been persuaded by what you've heard? That shouldn't be difficult. Both jury selection and the trial are taking place in Arapahoe County, the same county where the shootings on July the 20th, 2012, left 12 dead and 70 injured. A request by the defense for a change of venue was denied. Eventual jurors have to be what is known as death qualified, meaning they are willing to impose the death penalty if warranted. It's not really selection, it's deselection. So the goal is for each side to root out base biases, said Robbins Manley. See, I'd be knocked out immediately because I'm not good at lying so.
4: Are you kidding me? They would ask me questions, and I'd be saying, that's unconstitutional. Show me in the Constitution where this is, and they'd be throwing me out.
3: It doesn't matter. These are rules <laughs> of the court. These aren't covered by – these are rules of the court this... stuff. And, and believe me, that's a real pain in the backside to deal with. What?
4: Well, in the chat room, he was, uh, the person who was chatting with me said that uh, some, a professor was standing outside of a, a court uh, house and was handing out pamphlets about jury duty, and they charged him with jury tampering. Just
3: passerbys. Hey, out of control judicial yep, system, I that's am. all I can say. We have judicial anarchy yes, because we do. they they are unmoored from the Constitution. Yep. Uh, this, this is the reason we're all having so many problems. And the, this police state is growing. Now the police is militarized. Uh, none of this is good news for us. They federalized the uh, state national guards, if nobody knew that. No, it's not legal. You can't legislate uh, something away out of the Constitution. Uh, They're not federal; they belong to the state, and they're in control of the governor and the state legislature. And although Congress can call up the militia, the militia can only be called up to defend the United States of America, not to attack and go abroad. That's not the point. That's that's the Navy's job. The militia's job was to defend the home front. When Congress calls them up, it's because we're being invaded or we need to put down an insurrection. That's what that's for. And still, with the permission of the state governor. But they wouldn't have even attempted that unless they were requested by the state governors to do something. Uh, we have to understand that the, the national government is the weak government. They're not, they don't ever tell the states what to do, except where it expressly says, states, you can't do this. And that was because they were doing it under the Articles of Confederation, not because they were, you know, Bengali. These are things that they wanted stopped that the states were doing, so they listed them. That's the only place they list stuff like that. The rest of it has to be, you don't have the power unless it says you have the power. There are no assuming, there's no implied powers, Hamilton. There's no, uh, I don't know, what are these, texturalists versus... uh, original list. How can you have this kind of thing in judiciary? That alone in the in the Supreme Court bothers me. But the out of out of control federal courts and they don't even have jurisdiction to hear the cases they're hearing. Nobody knows this because for our whole life they've been doing it. So we accept it. It's not in the Constitution, so they don't they're not allowed to do it. They are not the appellate of the states. And even the Supreme Court is not the appellate of the state Supreme Court unless it is listed under its jurisdiction, in Article Three, Section Two, and there are no broad words in there that give all kinds of powers to them either. I know it's difficult. That one is actually tricky to read. It, it's a it's a tricky clause. But when you go through the patriotspub.us, Us, when you go there and listen, and you go through the Constitutional Convention day by day, you 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 know what it means. You know what the Constitution means, and you don't have to guess around about. It. There's no interpretation. There's no read for any kind of interpretation. Okay. Um, Holmes charged with 166 counts of murder, attempted murder, and other charges, was pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Under Colorado law, Colorado law, the burden is on the prosecution to prove Holmes knew right from wrong at the time. During jury selection, Robbins Manley said the defense will want to explore prospective jurors' feelings about the insanity defense, any experiences they have had with psychiatry, and whether they have any family members that may be mentally ill. She added prosecutors will look to find people who just might think the insanity plea is fluff and it shouldn't exist. They also look for those who are supportive of the judicial system, have had positive experiences with the law and who are respectful of law enforcement
4: oh we're out yeah. <laughs> we got <laughs> we got bans for life from our county
3: <laughs> aren't you a little early no. <laughs> no oh i gotta go to a hard break all right ladies and gentlemen this is young cooperative radio show you stay tuned cause we'll be right back <music>
6: The Recovery Act and our actions to fix the financial system were decisive in starting to turn the economy around. Growing
1: uh, at a good clip. I'm calling this the recovery, the summer of
6: recovery.
0: The summer of recovery, or I might even call it the summer of projects.
1: Our economy is stronger. That economic heartbeat is growing stronger. All of them have projects that are shovel-ready. Shovel-ready projects, shovel-ready projects. We are seeing shovels hit the ground. Shovel-ready was not as uh, (laughs) shovel-ready as we expected. The next two years, our job now is putting our economy into overdrive. This is Obama's economy. That's fine. Give it to me.
0: (laughs) Uh, I hear all this, you know, well, this is class warfare, this is whatever. No, there is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. Nobody. You built a factory out there. Good for you. But I want to be clear. You moved your goods to market on the roads the rest of us paid for. You hired workers the rest of us paid to educate. You uh, were safe in your factory. Because of police forces and fire forces that the rest of us paid for. You didn't have to worry that marauding bands would come and seize everything at your factory and hire someone to protect against this because of the work the rest of us did. Now look, you built a factory and it turned into something terrific or a great idea. God bless. Keep a big hunk of it. But part of the underlying social contract is you take a hunk of that and pay forward for the next kid who comes along.
6: Coming soon, John McCain and Lindsey Graham star in the tender sequel to Brokeback Mountain. Return to Saddlesore Canyon. You know, Lindsey, you spend a few days out on the campaign trail, away from all the other Republicans with nothing but your horse, the press, and a few thousand sheep to lead. Well, it makes a man think different. Feel different. You know what I mean? You want another back rub? Sure. Then we'll make s'mores.
1: Uh, what should we do about evil? Uh, That's that's a good question.
0: Uh, 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 uh...
1: Uh, evil exists, we see it all the time. In the streets, Darfur, but not in Iraq at any time. We need to be humble and not have a spine. Defeated.
2: It. Defeat
1: it. Let me just say. Uh... Defeat
6: Defeated. Defeat it. There's no other way. For the last time, I'm pretty sure what's killing the crops is this
5: Bronco stuff. The Bronco's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. So wait a minute. What you're saying is that you want us to put water on the crops? Yes. Water. Like out the toilet? Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be
2: out of the toilet, but, but yeah, that's the idea. But the brondo's got what plants crave. It's got
5: electrolytes.
0: Okay, look. The plants aren't growing, so I'm pretty sure that the brondo's not working. Now, I'm no botanist, but I do know that if you put water on plants, they grow. Oh, well, I've never seen no plants grow out of no toilet. Hey, yeah, that's good. You sure you ain't the smartest guy in the room? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, look, you want to solve this problem, I want to get my pardon. so why don't we just try it, okay, and not worry about what plants crave? Brondin's got what plants crave. Yeah, it's got electrolytes. What are electrolytes? Do you even know? It's what they used to make brondin'. Yeah, but why did they use them to make brondin'? Because brondin'
4: electrolytes. Uncooperative Radio Show merchandise is now available at cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio at this wonderful site you will find hats t-shirts coffee mugs and bumper stickers and much much more merchandise slogans include i am an uncooperative citizen become an uncooperative citizen i am an uncooperative citizen and damn proud of it and the constitution is the solution so visit cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio today and become an uncooperative citizen. That's cafepress.com forward slash uncooperative radio.
3: Okay, and welcome back to the Uncooperative Radio Show. All right, back to this rather disturbing story. (laughs) All right. In December, just days after summonses were mailed, Holmes' parents, Robert, and Arlene Holmes released an open letter to the media. It read in part, We realize treatment in an institution would be best for our son. We love our son. We have always loved him, and we do not want him to be executed. We also decry the need for a trial. A lengthy trial requires everyone to relive those horrible moments in time, causing additional trauma. The timing of the parent statement in this advocacy for the defendant might have backfired. They may have aggravated more people than actually got them on their side, Robbins Manley said. Defense attorney Ryan Dan Recht, who is not involved in the case, said, Were they thinking that jurors would read it? Probably. And was there coincidence in the timing no probably they thought this is a good time to release this statement that can't be held against the defense team it wasn't issued by the defense team it was issued by these grieving parents
4: well you know and this
3: is all political th- manipulation I was this just is.
4: gonna say things have gotten so complicated now in this in this country um and, and I know we were talking about during that I wanted to bring up jury nullification in this it doesn't apply to this because it's a murder trial right?
3: doesn't apply to it because he's guilty of the crime, for one thing, and the, and the law that he's guilty of is lawful.
4: But look at how, I just want to bring home how important a jury is. You do this all the time in the, in this sequence of events when it comes to the states.
3: Jury's your last hope, ladies and gentlemen. That's joan. it. Just remember that. It's your last hope. If you have to go to court, they're your last hope. Think about that before you try and get out of jury selection. Because uh, if, if only the idiots show up, we're in trouble. We need the smart ones to show up. And the ones smart enough to get out of it, get out of it. That's not good for our justice system.
4: Okay. and You then-
3: may not care yet, but one day you may find yourself there. Believe it or not, even though you may have thought you'd done nothing wrong, you may find yourself in well, court.
4: Well, what do we always say? That we? What's that saying? I stayed in the same place I was?
3: That's not a saying. What is it? Well, I've always... I've, <laughs> it goes my <by laughs> alarm. Time to dance. Uh... <laughs> What was the question
4: about the staying in the same place? And oh, no, it's it
3: just, yeah. Well, that's not a saying it's something I made up a long time ago that, you know, all my life, all of my life, I lived, I lived a good and lawful life and I haven't moved one inch from where I was before to where I am now. And yet somehow I'm on the other side of that legal line all of a sudden, but I didn't move. They moved the line on us. See. And they keep moving the line on us until they capture everybody. It's like a fishing net. They're just just constantly expanding it, constantly getting bigger catches. And it's, well, it's Fabian socialism. It's incrementalists. If you do it slow enough, the people won't pay any attention to it. And that's what's been going on until Obamacare came along. And everyone went, ah!
4: What the hell is this? (laughs) <laughs> and they voted him in again
3: and yet and yet he was voted in again by the majority which
4: Unvoted i don't again. think i really I truly think it I, might have
3: I, been stolen. i don't know i know there there's always voter fraud in every election anyway and i know who perpetuates it and it's always the left and i know there was about of come on there had to be uh, the whole thing with soros owning the spanish company that owned the voting machines that were going to count the votes last election And then, so Soros divested himself of the country because we found out about it. And that was supposed to make us feel better. We sent our votes to be counted in Spain. Are you on drugs? Yes, of course there was. I don't know how much. I I figured there was going to be about 2%, maybe 3% uh, voted for it this time. And I think it went higher than that. (laughs)
4: Well, another good example of jury nullification and being on a jury is um, your great friend that we lost, um, Tim Loki Curlin. He was on a jury, and it was because of him that the man didn't get convicted as it was supposed to be, because what the man did, he shouldn't have even been brought up on any charges. But right, what you're saying. Right, it was
3: self-defense. He punched somebody in self-defense. And... Everybody in the jury was ready to convict this guy because they said, well, he's, vic- he's guilty of assault and battery. He said, and, you know, my, my fellow co-host and friend Loki had to go, wait a minute here. Let's take this a little slower first. What actually happened? And then they went through the transcripts what actually happened. You know, the, the other guy uh, hit him first. And he hit him back. And he's on trial again. He's about to... This might have been a civil suit. I don't know if it was criminal. No, it was criminal. It no.
4: was criminal. It was going to be a misdemeanor or a
3: and they They were all ready to convict him, and he, Loki would hear none of it because it, the guy acted in absolute self-defense. He was guilty of nothing. Uh, and he spent the time to convince all other eleven jurors that he was right. And so if that one man had decided, and believe me, he's smarter than many of you people might think you are, he he didn't want to get out of jury duty. And he got it. No, you're not going to get a great case like that all the time. Sometimes you don't do nothing. Sometimes it's drivel and sometimes it's important. But, it, you know, everybody's got to show up because if he didn't show up, that guy would have went to jail. See? The power of one, one person yep. who had knowledge and education understood what the legal system is supposed to be.
4: And was willing to stand up against other people. Yep. So that's what we keep telling everyone. Look.
3: Of course, he had to be the foreman, too.
4: Just say no, first of all, to any kind of government that is non-constitutional. I won't, I'm going to go to jail because I'm not even going to listen to him. Um, the other thing is, if you see somebody standing up for something, you stand with them. If they're right. If they're right. Exactly. And especially if they're talking about a Republican getting it back and electing other people to listen to the Constitution and take your states back. You stand with that person. You know, that reminds me of that story we did about the um, the man that went to the board meeting and he was protesting this disgusting book that his daughter's teenage daughter was required to, lead, to read for honors English. Do you remember the pictures of the people and all the rest of them in that? Uh, school board meeting. I don't know if you remember. No. Okay, none of them. This man was protesting this book rightly, and all of these other parents are sitting around him, and their kids had to read the book as well. And one of the go- women was interviewed after this incident because he ended up getting arrested. Remember?
3: It turned out the video clip didn't show, but people did stand up and say something. Did you? Oh, they you just found ag- that out? They just ignored them and said, uh, you know, pretty much, show's over. You
4: know. Well, but a lot of them weren't. They were either looking down, they were looking away, they were embarrassed. They weren't standing with this man. And afterwards, uh, one woman was interviewed and she says, my son should never be have to read that book. I'm like, really? Why didn't you say anything in the board meeting? School board meeting. Why didn't you stand up? Well,
3: actually, that, we did cover that. They didn't even know it was happening at first. They had no idea. They were just sitting there in their own business. They didn't know they called the cops. So they, they just look right why the cops here? They didn't understand, and he didn't make a big enough scene, I think, to really make people all, but some of them did stand up and say something, and they ended up not arresting him because of that. They removed him, though, he had to leave, um, which is a crock of you know what and he was and it was because he wouldn't be silenced when they told him to be silent. See what I mean about the little make maniacs that are everywhere, even in our local government. We got to get rid of these power hungry doofuses. And I'm back where people understand that these are civil servant jobs. You serve the people, you do not lord over them. You work for us. We pay your salary. All right. So, uh, oh, yeah. this is going to be going on for a while. Maybe what? the, he- the hearing probably won't even start. He says, till May. So, there's a lot of stuff coming in the spring. The Supreme Court's going to take up same-sex marriage. Uh, as I stated, they don't have any jurisdiction in this. And national governments power over marriage. Just ask yourself this. Where in the Constitution does it say the government gets to decide to find marriage? It's that simple. If it doesn't say it in so many words, they can't. And yes, they had marriage back then. It wasn't a government thing at all. It shouldn't be a state government thing. It should be just a a religious thing like like it was meant to be.
4: Again, the U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and any statute to be valid must be in agreement. It is impossible for a law which violates the Constitution to be valid. I think that's going to be our saying from now on. You read that already. I know. I'm going to read it again. (laughs) I think okay, it's going to be our, that and, you know, take our states back?
3: Oh, man, pizza. The... <laughs> I'm starving to death here. And pizza? Mm-hmm. <laughs> thats my favorite food in the world. We have to make it ourselves. There's no delivery up here on the mountain. All right, so Papa John's is from Fox News. Papa John's pizza. Oh, wait, don't you have something to play? I do. Well, then why are you floating around?
4: I was looking at our signal. You gave me a little signal meter. Yeah, but don't to do it out.
3: when you're supposed to be pushing a button.
4: Yeah, well, I was doing it because of that. All right, I'm going to push a
3: button. It's
2: almost imperceptible.
6: The way they gain their ground they steal an inch just to take a mile Every time you turn around They assassinate our liberties And cause me sleepless nights Every time they pass another firearms law They assault my bill of rights As they plead for public safety and they press on towards their goal I say the Brady Bill is a stab in the back in the fight for gun control Cause I'm a fight to keep alive freedom in the Bill of Rights, native old American Who's gonna rise and take a stand, draw a line in the sand, hold the line till kingdom come So if they ever try to legislate, send the troops to confiscate before the dirty deed gets done. Somebody's blood on down the street might run. If they ever try to come and take my gun.
3: No, they better never
6: try to come and take my gun.
3: Okay, thank you. Call Clang, Clang clangwithk.com. And of course, that means it's time for the Second Amendment Report. From Fox News, Papa John's pizza is standing by a pizza delivery woman who opened fire Sunday on an armed robber in an act of self defense I got to tell you, being a pizza delivery person is a pretty dangerous job yes in some, it really in is some areas
4: it is, and actually being um a hotel motel clerk also because you're you're half the time you're there by yourself, people are coming in and out all all times of night and day I mean.
3: Really? That's why no one takes advantage of it. But why in Montana we have a law in the books that says no employer can make you uh, from stop you from carrying a firearm at your place of work unless they provide equal or better protection. So you would have to have an armed guard following you around just (laughs) to make it equal. Uh, But yeah, no. But they do it here anyway. They tell them like motel six i know i had a friend work there they told me couldn't have a gun he was even though he was in the overnight in in a sketchy motel six behind bulletproof glass you know um, and i happen to know that pizza hut at the time also didn't allow their pizza delivery people to carry a weapon even if they had a concealed carry permit that's a lawsuit waiting to happen don't you think I always thought the one with the guy that had his head blown off was going to be a huge lawsuit. Maybe it was, and I didn't hear about it. But uh, what would have happened if he might have had a gun? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, the pizza franchise told FoxNews.com Thursday the employee who hasn't been named will be fired from the company. The employee was making a delivery in Decatur, Georgia, Sunday night when a man approaching her vehicle forcing her onto the ground at gunpoint, according to the DeKalb County Police Department. The woman who had a gun in her pocket was able to fire at the man while on the ground, striking the alleged assailant, identified as 24-year-old Donquois Stevenson in the face. Stevenson was later found in a neighbor's yard and arrested, according to police, who said... The pizza delivery might have been a setup. You think? Local media outlets reported that a second suspect carjacked the delivery woman's silver 200 Honda Accord and remains on the run. Stevenson was charged with armed robbery and was being treated for a gunshot wound at Grady Memorial Hospital in Atlanta. Well, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but I'm always sad when they live because they cost us so much money in tax dollars. The delivery woman's mother had told WSB-TV her daughter is worried she may lose her job because she was carrying a firearm at work for protection. While Papa John's prohibits employees, including delivery drivers, from carrying firearms on the job, the pizza giant said Thursday the woman would not be let go from the company. She instead will be reassigned to another role, according to the company. The safety of Papa John's employees is a top priority for our company, Company said in an email to FoxNews.com, "Except that you don't allow your employees to carry firearms on on, on the job to protect themselves. So not your first concern, is it, sir? I've ha- I've had it out with Papa John's a couple of times. The company policy prohibits employees from utilizing firearms in the performance of their duties. We plan no charges to our current ch- changes to our current policy." which is designed to protect customers and employees, the statement read. Upon investigation and considering the specific facts of the situation, we have reassigned the employee to work in the store and are offering her counseling to help her recuperate from the incident. Authorities said the woman, who was not arrested, acted out of fear for her life. She had no other choice. She must have been in fear for her life, and she reacted. Captain Stephan Four with the DeKalb County Police Department told WSBT-TV. The crime happened a day before another Papa John's employee was attacked at gunpoint in Missouri. Gee, isn't Ferguson in Missouri? Oh, it is. Fox affiliate KTVI reports that a Papa John's police police delivery driver was robbed at gunpoint around 10 p.m. Monday in St. Louis. Ooh, the Capitol Two men approached the driver with a gun and stole his wallet while he was making a delivery, according to the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. The suspects, who have not been caught, sped away in a white pickup truck. Anyone with information on the attempted robbery in Decatur, Georgia, is urged to contact Crime Stoppers at 404-577-8477. 404-577-8477. From MyNews13.com, and what I would say is, um, I don't know, I'll take my chances. I'm carrying a gun. Because the only way my employer is going to find out is if I have to use it. And if I have to use it and I don't have it, I'll be dead. Out of work doesn't seem that big a problem anymore, now does it? From mynews13.com, deputies say a Lithia man tackled a shopper who was carrying a concealed firearm inside a brand in Walmart. You're kidding me, right? A lithium man. Who's a lithium man? Uh, however, it turned out that the man he tackled had a permit to carry the weapon. It's Florida, doofus. Lots of people carry concealed weapons. Wow. Michael Foster, 43, is facing charges of battery in the incident, which happened shortly before noon on Monday. You know, it's funny. He, I, I bet he thought he being quite the hero. and then, Wow, what a letdown, huh? Foster saw Clarence Daniels, 62, of Sefner getting out of his vehicle in the parking lot of the Walmart on Causeway Boulevard and noticed he had a holstered gun under his coat, according to the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office. Oh, my God. What's this guy going to do when I come to Walmart? I carry open. Oh, the horror. <laughs> really, nobody's ever bothered me ever. There, there is one theory floating that everybody thinks I'm a cop. I don't know.
4: Well, here I don't get it, really. Here in Montana, it's open carry. So that's why he can do that. And then the other thing is that I, this is in Florida, first of all, which I mean, you did say that. I can't believe what the heck's going on in Florida. And... Also, the reason that the West likes open carry better than concealed back in the day, right? Because they
3: thought it was sneaky. No, they knew it was sneaky. They believe all the constitutions in the Western states that they all have the same wording about about being able to carry openly, but nothing in this law is to deem it appropriate to carry a weapon concealed. So constitutionally, we don't have a right to concealed, but to open carry, because yes, all the all the uh, the city the city slickers, the uh, the card sharks and such, they're the ones that all carried hidden derringers. So they didn't take kindly to concealed carry. And You don't want to be caught concealed carrying back then either; they, they don't put up with it.
4: Yeah, and I just loved that they showed the picture of this guy <laughs> throwing this guy to the to the ground. I think someone was taking video of it. And the first thing I said to myself is, if he was really dangerous, what may, would make this guy think that he wouldn't take the pull the gun on him? I mean, seriously.
3: Well, we just
4: read a story about a woman was pushed to ground. Yeah, well, and yeah she,
3: but the, a woman was pushed to the ground. It's not a man being tackled. That's a completely different, that was a completely different situation. There, the guy with the gun was definitely in the in the the negative on that dispute. Um, no, he he, he got t- tackled out of nowhere, man. He got blitzed. He'd hit the ground before he knew what happened, and the guy already knew he had a gun, so he wasn't going to let him reach for the gun. So, no, well, it wasn't foolhardy. It was just not realizing that he could be a legal citizen, carry, availing himself of the law in Florida. That's where he, uh, maybe his IQ isn't all that high. I don't know. By the way, what i got to share this with the folks. What cheese is this? This is the best cheddar cheese I've had in a long time.
4: It's Walmart.
3: That's <laughs> great. I don't know who's making it for Walmart out there, but thank you.
4: Yeah, speaking of Walmart, that's what it is.
3: <laughs> We're at Walmart.
4: The Walmart.
3: It's always the Walmart.
4: The Walmart. <laughs> Noticing that more and more. The Walmart.
3: Actually, in a sense, it was appropriate. Uh, but you're just kind of sensitive to it. All right, Foster followed Daniels through the parking lot and into the store, where he approached Daniels from behind, put him in a chokehold, and brought him to the ground. He didn't even tackle. He put him in a chokehold. He's been watching the MMM Fighters. Everyone, everyone knows how to do with chokehold now.
4: Well, the, and that's you what Got to put saying. him out with the
3: chokehold.
4: If he, if.
3: <laughs> the sleeper hold.
4: If he had done this, and this was a criminal person, they could have pulled the gun on him.
3: You know. Yeah, they could. They could have. Really? It might have been their first reaction. I don't know how adept this guy is at sleep holes.
4: I mean, as far as you're concerned, you're being attacked.
3: It's exactly right. But and, this and is if he why, shot him, he would have been within his purview to shoot him too.
4: And that's why that we keep telling everyone, gun owners don't want to shoot people. We think twice about stuff.
3: Here, here's the know? other thing they don't care about shooting someone else on the way down. Shooting up the store on the way down. There's a million reasons why. First of all, if you were going to do this, you should have did it in the parking lot. Not in the store. If you if you want to do it all. Now, I will give you the same exact, exact advice I gave Trayvon Martin and that brown kid. Don't bring a fist to a gunfight.
4: You mean the white Hispanic? <laughs>
3: I didn't mention his name, I don't because he's he's gone through enough. Um, no, but that's it. Just don't bring don't bring a knife to a gunfight, don't bring a fist to a gunfight, that's another idea. Just stop getting in fights. And this is why I carry and why everyone should carry. You never know when you might be in a position where you're gonna have to help somebody else out, for instance. And you're gonna wish you had a gun because yelling at the guy isn't gonna stop him from raping someone or killing somebody. You're gonna to have to actually act, and it's a lot easier if you if you could put a bullet in him that'd stop him. So the two men briefly struggled. Forster yelled that Daniels had a gun. Daniels responded that he had a permit to carry it. Deputies said Forster didn't call nine one one or alert store or security until after he had attacked Daniels. Deputies who responded to the scene confirmed that Daniels does have a concealed weapons permit. Foster was taken into custody without further incident. Officials say anyone with concerns regarding someone who is carrying what appears to be a concealed weapon shouldn't contact law enforcement. I, I agree. That's exactly what you should do. And if you want to follow up around because you have a gun, go ahead. But if you don't have a gun, don't do it.
4: So those are two examples of armed citizen stories of <laughs> one that can go awry. <laughs> well,
3: this is an odd go awry. Mm-hmm. He could have got hurt trying to pull that moment. And They're not telling me he's some kind of professional fighter. So what you learn on TV can kill you in real life. Be careful he you mess around with. Um, the guy was trying to do the right thing, and he blew it. And I guess... The guy with the concealed carry permit, Daniels, there he doesn't have a sense of humor because there are he's obviously pressing charges. I would not have pressed charges. Come on, just it's his IQ points were a little too low. That's all. He meant well, <laughs> um, and it goes to show no matter how good you be, you intend things, then they someone's going to throw you in jail anyway. If I was a cop, I wouldn't arrest this guy. For that, i talked the other guy out of the whole thing, and they would have shook hands, and everybody would have left.
4: Yeah, well, that's not how police... Actually, would have
3: had a good laugh before Because <laughs> uh, that's funny, I don't care who you are out right there. <laughs> you, you tried to be a hero, and you're going to jail. Well, there's something wrong with that, but, you know, that's ironic, Alanis. For Fox News, Mike Schutz operates a small gun shop in northern Wisconsin called Hawkins Guns. Oh, it must be out of the, after the Hawkins Rifle. No, oh, not Rifle, it was a Musket, actually. In November, just before one of his peak selling times, his local credit union notified him his account needed to be closed. This reminds me so much of... Uh, how the gun industry grew in the country like for instance you know the places where the, the woodsmen were like in, in the kentuckys and stuff like this was lots of woods and they hunted for food of course they they couldn't wield these long muskets they had <laughs> they were gigantic they caught up in the brush it was just a pain so they made a shorter version of it, a shorter barrel version of it for the woodsmen, and it was called i think it was called the hawkins um, I might be mistaken, there's a whole bunch of muskets, but I'm pretty sure. But see, that was the market back then, a free market. See, a bunch of people that did that had to slug these things out into the wilderness and, and deal with them said, just can't you make me something that's lighter and shorter, easier to carry around? And so the gunsmith went to work, and see? That's the free market he needed one he found someone who could provide the service the person benefits from it everybody's happy he gets the gun he wants he gets the money he wants free enterprise no government involved no taxes no requirements for warning labels could you imagine i'm waiting for them to do that on uh sleepy hollow i want them to tackle warning labels on everything because I could really write for that guy for that. I mean, what the heck? What do you mean? Who's going to eat this? Yes. <laughs> I mean, the stupid warnings we have on everything. Oh, goodness. Anyway, anyway where was I here? Um, this is from Fox News. Oh, if I didn't mention before, if you didn't realize some of those parodies were from Paul Shanklin, paulshanklin.com, thank you very much for being contributor to the show. Uh, I don't think I missed anybody. Did you do anybody else, commercial person? No. Okay. So, in November, just before one of its peak selling times, his local credit union notified him his account needed to be closed. This is important; this is happening not only to gun show shops but this has also happened to marijuana facilities, dispensaries, the federal government twisting the arms of the banks not to do business with law abiding citizens. This is a problem. I thought everybody told me the federal government doesn't control any business. They're not socialist, Really? I think I just pointed out they do. The bank manager said they made a mistake and they were not supposed to open accounts for those people involved in high-risk industries, which the gun industry and ammunition industry is one of those, shoot said. This is a crock of nonsense. I reported on this happening to the gun shop which, last year. This is not new. This is the federal government arm twisting. Pure and simple. They they don't like guns. Here's how we get rid of guns. No bank can do any business with anybody selling firearms. Kind of hard to do business now, isn't it? I mean, it's bad enough. You can't use, they stop them being use credit cards because they won't allow them to use it for gun sales anymore. Now, bank bank accounts aren't even allowed. They're creating a subculture of people that are going to be hit by incredible amounts of violence. Once the criminals realize how much money are in these marijuana dispensaries and gun shops, they're going to start breaking in. That's just dangling a carrot in front of them. Not that these people care. they got to put gun dealers out of business so you can't buy a gun. Yeah, you have a second amendment, but yeah, try and find one. That's what they're that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, you try and find a gun. Yeah, but we can find a gun. Even ten plus years ago, when I was back in EMS, I could find guns on the street. Hell, one guy was selling guns out of his trunk right in front of me when I was sitting in my ambulance on the corner. There's plenty of guns. You know, you can put all the legal gun stuff out of business you want. That just makes the black market more lucrative. Wish people would understand that. A free market's going to find a way no matter what. And if it's the black market, then so be it. It's going to happen. Why not just stop trying to control people? Anyway, it turned out that there was a list created by a Justice Department program called Operation Choke Point. That's A new operation we can talk about for scams. We can add it to all the rest. I, I can't remember them all anymore. There's so many.
4: Now, these stories are all from last week, but no one's. I wanted to see if anyone was going to be talking about Operation Operation Choke Point, and they haven't been. So I said, you know what? We're going to do it.
3: Well, it's time to call your elected cockroaches and make them aware of Operation Choke Point because they need more hearings to this. This is, again, this is a good one. If it could be tied back to the Justice Department and to Obama, uh, add it to the list at Peach's Backside. Sorry, that's high crimes and misdemeanors, a definition of it.
4: He should have been peached a long time ago. I know,
3: and they're not gonna do it. They don't have, they don't want to do it. They're on the same side. The 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 leaders of the Republican Party and the majority of the elected cockroaches up there are part of the problem. They're right wing progs. They don't they don't want you to know they want the same things, but they want the same things. They just go about it in different ways so that you think they're actually working against each other when, in fact, they're working together. It's the reason I, I keep bringing up bread and circus, because it's getting to the point where I can't, I can't, it's, that's all I can say about what's going on up there, bread and circus, nothing but. It's it's for, for us dumb masses. It's a, It's a joke. They're taking us to serfdom land, whether we like it or not, and we better hurry up and wake up before it's too late and we're already there because then you're not in a position to overthrow your government and have a revolution, because they'll come down on you so hard. Well, look at East Berlin. May I say more? So back to this one, this thing, Operation Choke Point. The list equates legal gun sellers like Schweitz with escort services, Ponzi schemes, people who sell cable TV descramblers. scramblers and at least 30 other industries. <clears throat> the program, which is facing tough questions in Congress, intimidates banks. Oh, there are tough questions. They are in Congress. Good. See, they know about it. I know I heard I have Operation Choke Point before. <clears throat> uh, it intimidates banks with the threat of heightened scrutiny and increased audits if accounts are maintained in those industries. <clears throat> this is why the government has no constitutional authority to tell any business what to do at all about anything. There you have it. This is why. the um, Representative Sean Duffy, Republican, Wisconsin, said Operation Chokepoint began as a means of combating fraudulent businesses, but evolved into an arbitrary list of businesses targeted by bureaucrats in the DOJ and banking regulators purely on the moral grounds on moral grounds, backed by no legislation. What they've done is they put short-term lenders out of business. Gun dealers out of business. Ammunition manufacturers out of business. Because in America, if you can't bank, you can't do business, Tuffy said.
4: This actually is happening to somebody I know. Actually, right now as we speak. Share. Well, the woman that I do... The uh, radio show, "The Women of the Revolution," which is on um, Blog Talk Radio forward slash Hulls of Valhalla. Her husband and her decided that they were going to do, um, get an uh, what's the license that you get to be a dealer FFL, okay, and be an intermediary between people selling guns privately. Because I knew a bunch of people who wanted to do that.
3: Okay, but... You didn't well, have to. I don't know what lot, to... I don't know you don't need a is. background check to sell guns to a no, fellow I don't, person. No, I don't
4: think so. I didn't think so either. So well, maybe maybe I'm a, confused. A, I
3: don't know what in their state.
4: That's what I'm saying. They're in Virginia. Yeah, I don't know. I Virginia, don't either.
3: Wow, that's tough. Yeah, probably true. Yeah. So... Um, oh, in fact, I know it's true. Remember, she had to go to the one guy in all of Virginia who it, they sent her gun to, the one who was trying the, to get the, the concealed carry uh, permit. The reporter, the journalist.
4: Yeah. I forget her name, and she's on freaking Cam and Company all the time, and I forget her name. Yeah, and we did a couple of Was articles. she in
3: Maryland or Virginia?
4: She was in D.C. She was in D.C., and they allow concealed carry permits now in D.C., but...
3: All right, they, I, I don't think she was in D.C. Yes, yeah, she was. Although they do, that but, she would have never got it, because they... People have tried. They just don't get Oh, it. no,
4: no, no. It took her like two years, and she wrote a whole expose, and she actually got hired we'll by another... Pull it up.
3: We'll talk about it next, uh, okay. next show.
4: But anyway, so, yeah, right. She had to go outside of her... I don't care. I
3: don't really care what people have to do in D.C. It's not a state. I and mean, if you don't like it, move.
4: So anyway... The,
3: Honest to God, The eh? women I do... You're, with, at the, you're at the complete mercy of the federal government if you're in D.C. That's it. That's theirs. They own it. It's their property. Don't like it. Leave.
4: So anyway she and her husband were going to get a little business on the side so take to, to make extra money and the first thing that they found out is they could not use a credit card and they could not get a, get it out of the credit card out of their bank because the bank said they're not allowed well, once, by the
3: federal government because everyone thinks this is going to be like a locality here a locality there no do, do you hear me say the DOJ Department of Justice put out this thing already and the, that's it that's the whole country, everybody. nobody's going to do business with them. They're putting out that yeah, I know nobody's talking about it. I just wanted to know why the gun dealers aren't coming out and talking about it. I think they're afraid they I should think- be out screaming if you can't get on, if you can't get on any of the show, you can get on this show, you just contact us. We'll put you on
4: yeah, because the d o j is illegal.
3: no, the Department of Justice isn't illegal. what it does is illegal.
4: But should it have nothing to do with any of us in the states. Nothing.
3: No federal law should have anything to do with us in the states because they have no power over us in the Constitution.
4: We're because we're not saying no. Just say no.
3: People first have to realize that that's the truth, and it's it's been in. Uh, well, I don't know. I've been doing this what for over ten years now. Between blogging and internet radio, and um, it's really hard to get people to wake up to this fact because their whole lives, it, I can't be right. I've got to be a crackpot because our teacher taught us, the teachers taught us this. Our school books taught us this. history, The history books show this. It's been like that my whole life. It's always been that way. Yeah, it has always been this way. And they, they realize how used to it you've all gotten, but it's not supposed to be this way. But I understand people are afraid of liberty. Liberty takes personal responsibility it takes risk but see you, it to to get rid of risk you have to get rid of all liberty it never ends it's a it's a never and governments always always have the tendencies towards tyranny totalitarianism and tyranny. always left on their own devices they will always move in that direction And that's what happened we pretty much left this to their own device and that's what they did they made that thing up there and you're not going to fix it by sending people to D.C. Send people to D.C. that are going to give them nothing but uh, what they used to call agita, where I grew. Uh, upset stomach, acid indigestion. That can, let's, get, let's give them a, a case of that. Well, we'll see. All right. So what, uh, unfortunately, yeah, it's, it, this is just one incident of many that we're not hearing from. And I don't know why they haven't hit talk radio circuit whether they're keeping their head down, trying to adjust their business model. I don't know what they're doing, but we need to know what's happening in these types of stores, all of them that they list. I mean, the criminal enterprises, is goes without saying, but, but come on, gun dealers. This should be a national scandal already. Where is the outrage? They're choking out ammunition and gun manufacturers, so we can't afford either. Oh, you like your guns. I hope you got 10,000 rounds put up somewhere. I mean, yeah, you can put up a 1,000, but then you can never shoot them. No practice. It's boring. All right. What? So what they've done is put short-term lenders out of business, gun dealers, etc. I did that. In northern Wisconsin, states became suspicious that something strange was happening after his issue with the local credit union. So he concealed an audio recorder and visited his credit union. A manager and then a regional manager told Swaetz the credit union wanted his business. But he had indeed been placed on a list of high-risk industries. We're really not anti-gun as a company, but our hands are tied, and I feel horrible about this. I didn't sleep last night, regional manager Troy Erwer said. Yeah, I bet. Fox News found several more businesses, from payment processors to ammunition dealers, and if this guy was so upset, why doesn't he speak out? Fox News found several more businesses, from payment processors to ammunition dealers, to pawn shop owners, to short-term lenders who all had their bank accounts closed. In response to an inquiry from Fox News, a spokesman for the DOJ wrote, We do not target businesses operating within the bounds of law, and we have no interest in pursuing or discouraging lawful conduct. Duffy said, that's a bald-faced lie. Lenders that uh, Fox News was provided a DOG memo in reference to short-term or payday lenders, that seems to suggest an indifference to harming legal businesses. Although we recognize the possibility that banks may have therefore decided to stop doing business with legitimate lenders, we do not believe that such decisions should alter our investigative plans. Michael Bloom, director of the department's Consumer Protection Branch, wrote, You remember the new Consumer Protection Branch he made up to protect us from, oh, crap like this maybe? A spokesman for the DOJ said the high-risk merchants list was produced by the FDIC. You mean the organization that only can cover 6% of all money in the banks of the United States? That FDIC? However, Brian Wise of U.S. Consumer Coalition pointed out that the FDIC sits on the Financial Fraud Enforcement Task Force, which is the driving force of Operation Chokepoint, and is chaired by U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder. Also, starting in August of 2013, the DOJ issued subpoenas to banks and payment processors. The spokesman also said the FDIC has since rescinded the high-risk merchants list. Wise with the Consumer Coalition uh, says there are hundreds and even thousands of businesses across the nation who have had their bank accounts closed, and they may not even know their bank was intimidated by Operation Checkpoint. This is one of the greatest abuses of power this country has never heard of, Wise said. The business owners who spoke to Fox News say they have been able to find alternative bank accounts. Even Mike Sweat's, however, Duffy thinks those accounts will only stay open until federal investigators scrutinize the alternative banks. They might be able to get banked for a short time, but once the bank goes through its next examination, Hawkins Guns might find itself without a bank, he said. Swates so was told by his local credit union after an overhaul they may be able to accommodate his business in February. However, he says, we would have lost our business if he didn't find somewhere to bank between November and February. What's so special about February? I'm curious. What happens in February. DOJ is still run by Eric Holder, and the same crap is still going to be going on. Eric Holder, did, I, did they stop him yet? I didn't hear anything come out of Congress saying they're, they're defunding the DOJ or anything, right? They're, they're not impeaching defunding. Holder.
4: They're not defunding anything. Well, this
3: one, this is the end of Holder. This is the end of the excuses why they can't impeach someone. Holder is directly in charge of this committee that is sending out this nonsense. He's directly linked. It's over. Now impeach him, you gutless cockroaches. <sighs> is
4: that how you really feel?
3: <laughs> how I really, really feel.
4: How do you really feel,
3: huh? How do I really feel? That this is a very personal affront to yes, myself as a gun owner. It is. Uh, I I this is unbelievable. This is this is totalitarianism. This is fascism right here and the left by the way you are fascists all you want to do is use the government to take stuff from people that they don't want to have taken and give it to someone else based on them being less successful so left wing loons you are fascists learn understand you don't even know the the actual root of the meaning of the word fascist I love the way they throw things around. It's like the black people, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom is a hero. Read Uncle Tom's Cabin, for God's sakes. It just shows how idiotic and ignorant you are. Stick to stupid pop culture things like Oreo. That you can handle.
4: <laughs> you haven't said your spiel tonight at all.
3: What, left-wing, liberal, progressive, socialist, comedy, fascist, states, bastards? Yeah, that one. Yeah, all of them. <laughs>
4: get them all out. I don't out.
3: care what you call yourselves. You're all, you're all the same. Your goals of all of them are the same. You can label yourself all you want. I took care of you.
4: <laughs> and now I dismiss you.
3: Ta-da. <laughs> all right. Planning on retiring. Not so fast. From CNBC.com. The gleam of your golden years is anything but certain. A number of predictors indicate just how happy you'll be in retirement. Michael S. Finke, a certified financial planner, told attendees Tuesday at the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants Advanced Personal Financial Planning Conference in Las Vegas. Hey, I wonder if Sandra was there. She's a big mucky muck in the hospital. and She's a CPA. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you knew that.
4: I didn't know she worked for a hospital. I knew she. Was I told a you that yeah. too.
3: That's her. New, that was her new job as of the last time I talked to her. Um, some factors are under your control; others, less so. Uh, I will say one thing: if you're if you've invested in energy, it's time you might want to relook at it and consider moving. I I brought this up as to why last show. What's going on? You have to decide how that affects your financial planning. I'm not a financial planner. I could just tell you when bad things are going to happen. Energy sector. Boom. As is one big predictor is, of course, money. Wealthier consumers, and it's funny because it isn't worth anything. Uh, Wealthier consumers tend to be more satisfied in retirement, although they're only spending about $10,000 more a year than the middle-income folks said Finke, Director of Retirement Planning and Living at Texas Tech University's Department of uh, Personal Financial Planning. Okay. Uh, one big predictor is money. Now, eventually, that fiat money is going to go bust. Our, our currency is going to go bust. It's a matter of time. It's historically repetitive. Uh, the only thing we can do is get off it. Get back on the gold, gold silver, Uh, not backed because you have to amend the Constitution to print money, right? Yet, they're only allowed to coin money. And they knew what print money was, as I always point out. They had personal experience with it, and history had experience with it. And all fiat money throughout history has always ended up worth nothing. What is fiat money? Money that has no intrinsic value of its own. I give you the dollar bill. It's not the amount spent that's making them happier, but rather how it's used. Think about money as access in retirement, he said. Wealthier retirees spend less time watching TV compared with middle-wealth retirees, and more time in physical, active, and social pursuits, which are ultimately more satisfying.
4: Do you see how they're reclassifying everybody and putting them in all these little classes, That we class warfare. Yeah, the United States of America was never ever intended, or wasn't founded. There's no such
3: thing as a poor class, middle class, rich class. We're
4: not India.
3: We're we're not. We don't have no classes in the United States of America. Well, we have to. No, you don't. You don't have to call it a class, middle class. These are these are terms coined by Karl Marx and uh, Engels, and that's the (laughs) it's communism. Anyway. But there's a fine line. Having too much money can reduce happiness. Retirees who have saved more than about $3.5 million report lower satisfaction levels, said Finke. At that level of wealth, part of your retirement job is likely to include asset management and handling requests from family and charities for assistance. We have to worry about managing a complex nest egg and that might make people less happy. Spending habits. How about this? Keep the money. Don't worry about it. Tell everybody no. And uh, stick your feet up and realize you're set. If that doesn't make you happy, you're a doofus. Spending habits. Savers may have a tougher time making the transition to retirement spending. It's trying to turn ants into grasshoppers, he said, referencing Aesop's fable about virtues annuitizing retirement income can help there because it gives more of a license to spend. Easing the stress over how much is too much, he said. Yes. Yes. That's my plan. I want to be rich, rich, rich. (laughs) Too late. Income. A 2012 study from researchers at the university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee and Boston college's center for retirement research Found that pension and social security income was a very satisfying money from defined contribution plans, less so. Satisfaction for earned income of any kind is negative, said Finky. Age, retired or not, getting older can make you can make you happier. Period. Really, I I, I kind of thought not getting older might make you happier.
4: I don't know. By uh, listening to I... most
3: people and watching what they do to their faces, that must be true.
4: All I know is getting older is a real sport.
3: Well, it, <laughs> ain't, <laughs> it ain't for wusses. It's not. <laughs> Studies have found a happiness. You curve, Don Ezra, author of The Happiness. The best is yet to come, told AICPA. Yeah, Really? Uh, you're going to tell anybody that we're not, you know, like me and everybody else, we're not going to get any Social Security? So wh- what are we going to do during our golden years? See, should we? That's, they call it the golden years because you're supposed to have gold. You didn't know that? Oh, sure. And other sessions. Attendees and other sessions on longevity risks. Happiness comes from different circuits in the brain, he said. Want generating dopamine declines and like-inducing opiates increase with age. At age 70, you're happier than you were at age 20, he said.
4: That's not true.
3: This is, you can't say that based on only your experience. You're one person. he said timing matters, however. The peak happiness years of retirement tend to happen between 66 and 70. Retiring late can mean that you don't have the health or the desire to travel and be more active. Once retirees hit age seventy, they tend to sleep more and watch more TV. Especially when you get those later years, it can be a trial to spend a lot of money, he said.
4: Are now, you agreeing with this?
3: Yeah, I can agree. I, I don't I'm not a scientist. I haven't done the study, I don't know. Well it seems realistic. Does
4: your uncle Lou? He's in his eighties and he sounds good. He sounds
3: much happier. <laughs> he does, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's been much happier he- than I can <laughs> ever remember in his seventies and eighties.
4: Yeah, he said once you pass eighty, you're okay.
3: <laughs> well, once you, once you hit, yeah, once you pass the eighty mark, you're good to go. See, everybody dies in their seventies. Most everybody dies in their seventies. Some make ditties. The ones that do tend to live past one hundred. Well, that's my his good, opinion.
4: My good friend Danny, he died when he was seventy-four.
3: See, I don't know. That's not a scientific study. Marital status. A good marriage can be one of the strongest predictors of happiness, said Finke. Positive relationships with your spouse become even more important after retirement, he said. Married people and those in close relationship report high levels of satisfaction. But there's nuance here, too. Couples where one spouse retires before the other are less satisfied, so consider coordinating your workplace exits. Single? Don't despair. The happiest group of retirees are women who get divorced between the ages of 60 and 65, said Finky. Oh, there's a great way to end the show. That's depressing as heck. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, i got to get out of here. It's the Uncooperative Radio Show. I'm your host, Brian Bonner, from UncooperativeBlogger.com. You're listening to UncooperativeRadio.com. And say good night, Susan.
4: Good night, Susan.
3: And we're
4: out of here!